Mind Me on the Rocks, Casey Chops. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at MIA on the Rocks. Follow us on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. Today's guest. This is the first guest we've had that has a Grammy, Grammy Award winning producer, artist, group, member of a major group, Major Laser with Diplo and Ape Drums. I got Walshy Fire in here. What's up, my brother? Yo. How are you? How's everything, bro? I'm blessed, man. Good. Uh, oh, yeah. How's the the, the 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 COVID quarantine vibe? Are you, you know, you're in Miami, so how are you feeling with all this bullshit? It's blessed, man. It's blessed, man. It's a good time to realign. Yeah. Restart, refresh. Did how, how how did did you learn anything about yourself during this whole, you know, last year? Did you, you know, physically, mentally, anything you, you got um, from it? No, nah, I know myself. Um okay. I think maybe the only thing is um this ain't the this do you see this this is just it's just pressure mm-hmm. and i'm not new to that you know what i'm saying and i think that anybody out there that's was alive during the 2008 crash mm-hmm. um anybody that was alive during 9 11 mm-hmm. you know you kind of remember when things begin to change when big moments happen mm-hmm. and the world changes and the world changes and the world changes mm-hmm. and um a lot of people don't survive those moments the pressure get too much for them you mm-hmm. know what i'm saying and so this ain't the first time for me. This is probably, yeah, this is probably the third time as an adult mm-hmm. with this kind of new pressure. And, um, you know, what you going to do? How you going to survive? How you going to make it happen? Got so. you. And for me and you, you know, we make our living with events and being around people. Did yeah. that aspect of it, you know, fuck with you at all as far as just like not um, being able to tour, not being able to. Yeah, but again, it's it's pressure, man. But man, big up, man. It's good to see you, my brother. Yeah, it's no, good to likewise, be here, man. Actually, likewise, bro. You know, let me get my energy up. Shout out to everybody yeah. out there that's gonna watch this, man. It's gonna be well entertained and I'm gonna say a lot of things that's gonna make a lot of people wonder okay. and think and it's gonna okay. be awkward in some spaces. Okay. And you know what I'm saying? We're gonna push awkward some hot buttons, man. We're gonna make sure that the people get a great interview and that they get that's some uh, information that'll hopefully motivate, no, inspire, for sure. For sure, for take sure. them to a new level. Can we go back to, to the to your beginnings of your yeah. story? Carroll um, City. Carroll City. Carroll born, City. Born in Carroll City. 100%. Um, you're half Jamaican, half Chinese. I'm fully Jamaican. Fully Jamaican. Yeah, my mom's Chinese Jamaican. Okay, okay, yeah. Chinese Jamaican. And you were born in Carroll City. Yes. You've always spent a lot of time in Jamaica? Uh, always. Okay. Yeah, I would go back every summer and mm-hmm. Christmas. Okay. Yeah. And can, can you talk about your inspirations, you know, you know, being born in Carroll City and yeah. then, you know, go always going back to Jamaica? Yeah, the, the, it's, it's crazy because if anybody knows anything about Carroll City, they know that that's a very Caribbean neighborhood as well. There's a lot of Bahamians, mm-hmm. a lot of Haitians, a lot of Jamaicans, a lot of Trinis mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So it's a very Brooklyn esque mm-hmm. part of miami got you where most people's parents or grandparents were coming from somewhere else okay uh, there's a lot of black americans as well um but there's a lot of people that came from other areas especially in the Orleans area okay so you end up with this uh mixture of influences mm-hmm. you know a very miami side one you know mm-hmm. where uh you're going to get your, and I guess I, I'm, I'm speaking in musical terms, but I'm going to try and expand outside of that. But you know, you're going to get your love for a uh, accurate legend, just like you get for a dunk. Gotcha. You know, it's a weird space. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because those are the two two vehicles that might you know might have been going on this, up and down 183rd Street mm-hmm. the most. So you end up doing sort of weird love with it. You'll have cats that were straight, you know, like straight Jamaican, like straight from and. They have permanent gold teeth in their mm-hmm. mouth. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it became this kind of like Miami energy mixed with the Caribbean energy, you know, mm-hmm. which I think was happening all over Miami. But for sure in Carroll City, it was a very, very like 
good mixture. You know, it was mm-hmm. it was those two things, and you you loved it. I loved it. I defended it. I still defend it. It's the best best mixture of cultures I think uh, right. anyone could have ever experienced, and I think it gave me the launching pad to go into the world and do stuff like Major Lazer and mm-hmm. and Black Chinese and other things like that because I came from a place where I totally understood what was happening in two different worlds. Got you. And where does where does the music start for you though? You know, the, can you speak on your influences growing up? Like, yeah, it start with start with the old girl. You know, start okay. with mom. She would be cleaning on Sunday and playing songs like um, "Someone Loves You, Honey" by J C Lodge and um, mm-hmm. songs like "Stealing Love on the Side" and those kinds of songs. And then, um, you know, I would step outside, and it would be uh, MC Shy D and Gucci Crew too, and. Uh, you know, Luke, it, it would be all of the stuff, Jam Pony tapes, Disco Dave tapes, you know, Sugar Hill. Um, it would be all of that. So, so well-rounded, like a big yeah, sound culture. It would be loud. Sound. Carol City's a loud place. It'd be right. loud. There was no there was no ducking or dodging music. Right. And that's why I think so much people from Carol City do music. It just, it, you're not going to get around it. And um, yeah, then I would go to Jamaica for the summers and for Christmas and stuff like that. And it'd be a whole other set of music. So um mm-hmm. that original attachment to music like as in memories you know you start mm-hmm. to put oh i remember what happened that day because i know remember i remember the song that was playing that day mm-hmm. i remember going to goombay i remember going to the pack jam i remember going mm-hmm. to all these places wow. and i and it's music that attaches that to the memory you right know, so and yeah. and does it start you know what does it start producing for you does it start djing for you does it no, start, I start DJing for until, you the, i didn't start none of that until until i moved to atlanta at 18 years old, I moved to Atlanta. Okay. And I went to Clark Atlanta University. Okay. So that's where you get my for real step into music because they okay. had a jazz station there and I mm. interned at the jazz station, WCLK. Glenn Simmons, rest in peace. Thank you so much for the opportunity you gave me. Um, but that's where my music journey really starts. Okay. Before that, I'm just fucking around. I'm just partying. Okay. You know, I'm just enjoying music at the block parties. The jazz station is when it got for real. I learned how to do reel to reels. I learned how to mm. be a broadcaster on air. Um, and then Glenn Simmons had a one, hour, uh, a two hour reggae show on Saturdays. I would go there, mm-hmm. began to talk on the radio, mm-hmm. things like that. So you know, I personally would say that's where music became like, yo, I should do this. Like, was it? A, I, I have a question. Was it a culture shock for you being in Atlanta? Because does Atlanta have a Caribbean culture like that? When no. you, you come from, you know, Miami, you come from, yeah. you know, Jamaica and you go to Atlanta where, you know, there's no really island culture no. over there. So, but I'm good. Right. Because it's a lot of things that's relatable still The struggle. Right. right. You see somebody going through something, you get it. Right. Um, the hood. Mm-hmm. Anywhere in the world. I've been, mm-hmm. you know, you can ask anybody that's traveled. You go to Brazil, you go to, you know, South Africa, you go to India, the hood is still the right, hood. Right. And there's still a relatability to, right. to those people going through situations. And so, you know, Atlanta for me was a great uh, introduction into some new sounds. I, could, mm-hmm. I began to learn um, uh, music and culture from around America, you mm-hmm. know, Philly, D.C., Chicago, Detroit, uh, L.A., Mm-hmm. Were the major influences in Atlanta. Florida didn't didn't really have a major influence uh, <clears throat> outside of music. You mm-hmm. know where bass music was big in Atlanta, and you had songs like um, um, "Last Night I Dreamed of mm-hmm. You" and a lot of those songs that were very familiar in energy mm-hmm. because right. I'm coming from Miami, and those were big songs in Atlanta. And at the time, they had mm-hmm. a Bankhead Bounce dance. Yeah, that was know, the and, social deaf yeah. era, like the. And I'm going to clubs like 559 in Atlanta where Little John is DJing and stuff like that. And, 
you know, I'm I'm going to I'm at Clark Atlanta with DJ Drama and Cannon and and Trendsetter Sense and Bomani Jones. We all went to Clark Atlanta together, so it's like I'm 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 into a whole new energy. You know, Drama them was from Philly, mm -hmm. so they was playing a lot of Philly stuff. And then there was a big a group of people from DC, and they was playing go go music. Wow. And then you go, you know, you hang out with the Chicago dudes and the Detroit dudes, and they was playing um like ghetto tech and mm -hmm. juke music. You know, mm -hmm. where it was house music. It's right. basically house music. You know, and songs like um. Like I'm gonna tell you right now, the biggest song ever. I brought my where my laptop. Yeah, hey, I got the I got the um. You're and, and you're 20 like 21 years old at this time with I'm all legit, this man. With, yeah, with I'm all, 18, bro. You got the Caribbean vibe, the Atlanta vibe. Like you're well rounded for your age. Like it's in, yo. I, I'm gonna tell any. I say it every single interview. Nobody. I don't think there's nobody, and I will argue with this with anybody else. There's mm -hmm. nobody that has been more musically prepped mm -hmm. than me. Mm -hmm. I look at everybody that is a um, is like a star, you mm -hmm. know, like the Pharrells and the Timberlands, mm -hmm. and I realize that they're great at what they did, mm -hmm. but they they were very much in their world, right? And I'm one of the few people that got a chance to be in their world, coming from a different world, while in a different world, because yeah. there was a bunch of people from Virginia in Atlanta, mm -hmm. and I would have been hearing that sound it would have originally started with like rump shaker and um mm -hmm. what, what what's buddy name that sang that song um uh i forgot his name but yeah rump shaker and that and that whole uh so um, you were ahead of your Rex time in effect yeah got you you were ahead of your time with blending genres now it's kind of the norm to like not categorize music and not put music in a box but back then you know you, right. you have all these influences so you're probably into you know wanting to combine sounds and bring right. different worlds together that wasn't a thing back right then. but i gotta say man shout out to uh shout out to the young god um um little john mm -hmm. you know he did a remix of a song of a capleton song on um, mm -hmm. tour Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember that. No. After me left from Jamaica, Ghana, Farin Pan tour. No. Man, I might even have it here for you. But it was on Slick Rick's um, uh, children's story. Mm -hmm. This was big. This was big. What year is this? Okay, okay. This was big. Yeah, yeah. This was huge. This, this had to be like though. 90, mid 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I tell you, this was huge, mm. right? Um, and Lil John did that, you know? And uh, Lil John has always been like that as well, like embracing other worlds. He fucked with Pitbull early, you know what correct. I mean? Like he, correct. You know, him, Akon are the two <laughs> people I, I, when I was in Atlanta, I would see them all the time. You know, mm -hmm. I would see Akon's brother all the time on campus too. And you would always see that they were involved in the African side, the Caribbean side, the African-American side. Like they were dipped into everything mm -hmm. and strongly understood all those cultures. Lil John's one of those people that strongly understood that culture. And I, 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 I can't go around like not admitting his in insane influence on myself and like DJ Drama. Right, right. Because DJ Drama was a reggae DJ. He only did reggae. He was doing reggae. Wow, that's a crazy fact. I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, he was only doing reggae. He was doing reggae mixtapes. Okay. And um, he had dreads and everything. You know what I'm saying? Wow, I didn't know that. And uh, he eventually, I think, began to be like, yo, I'm going to do hip-hop tapes too. Mm -hmm. But I really think it's Lil John that kind of like influenced everybody to be like, man, just do what you want. Do Step it. out the box. Do what feels good and 
just go with it. Yeah. yeah. So shout out to the get to the God, Lil John, for real. But yeah, man, so, I wanted to play this other song real quick, man. This song to me is like the epitome of music that nobody uh, knows, but everybody knows it feels good and sounds good from the first time you hear it. Where is this from? This is Follow Me Alias. This is from Detroit. Okay, there's that tech, that house wave you're talking about. Yeah. This one of them songs, man, like you play this at a club anywhere in America. It's some barbecue music, but they're going they're going to go crazy. And I'll just skip to it cuz obviously it's house music so it's going to be long. Yeah. So, you know, that's the kind so of So that's stuff. one of the early beginnings where you get like soul in house music. Man, you don't even understand. I got to re-say this to everybody, man. Being a jit from Miami, everything was moving real fast. Mm -hmm. We listened to songs like um, Barry White, Look at Her, and Barry White, King Kong, and uh, Doodoo Brown, and it's bomb, 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 bomb. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'm going from, I'm coming from the Pack Jam too, so partying is totally different. It's just, dong, 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 dong. Mm -hmm. and then I get to Atlanta, and Detroit cats are listening to that. Mm. You know, it's a whole other energy. Right. Then the New York Cats was listening to songs like um, "I Want to Thank You, Heavenly Father." Mm -hmm. You don't even understand. I had never heard that song before. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I had never heard um, uh, uh, Kenny Burke uh, um, "Keep Rising to the Top." Okay. You know, doom to do 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 doom to do doom doom to do do do. Yo, and I'm in the party, and I'm a jit. I'm 18, and I'm looking at all these other kids. Mm -hmm. just like me the same age like me go crazy mm. like hot music mm. you remember that song hot music man you know i'm a nerd man so you know <laughs> and for forgive, me music, you forgive me because i'm 32 so i'm a little younger like yeah i mean you're a little, little younger but at the same time it's never too late to learn yeah no, for you sure. know what i'm saying but this this right here oh, okay yeah yeah say no more man hot yeah. music yeah people i don't think y'all understand i had never heard that song before Mm. And at 18 years old, I go to a party at the warehouse, um, and this song, Hot Music, is mm -hmm. the song. There's no rap song bigger than that wow. song. Wow. Hot Music is bigger than any current newly made song at that time. Wow. And I never heard it in my life. And the beat kicks in. The fucking club go crazy. Damn. And I'm just sitting there like, and I remember it was me, my daughter, Rashad from Miami, because, you know, Florida people, we don't really go out of state. Mm -hmm. We stay in state. So it was only like five of us from Florida mm -hmm. in Atlanta. And um, I just remember me, I'm wearing my dicky suit. He wearing his dicky suit. <laughs> I got my dreads all up looking crazy. Mm -hmm. And we both just standing there and we like, damn, this shit going crazy, man. I don't know what the fuck he playing. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, damn, but that shit fire, though. The soul in it mm -hmm. is undeniable. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the theme of what I've been saying from the beginning of this interview is that it's undeniable. You ain't right. got to know it to hear it and right. be like, that shit's good. Right. And so, you know, my musical journey has been one where I've just been grabbing, grabbing, grabbing everything that felt good, even if I didn't understand it. You know, when I come, go back to my mom and her music, I didn't know nothing about love. I don't know nothing about what the fuck they're talking about. They played it. The song was called Stealing Love on the Side. Mm -hmm shit i don't know nothing about cheating i don't know nothing about yeah. none of that 
but I know it's good. And mm-hmm. I get the soul and I get the soul and I get the soul and straight up to going to Atlanta. I'm hearing music and I, and I don't know it, but I'm getting the soul of it. And so I believe that I've been really good at receiving um, good music gotcha. and receiving the messages from good music and being able to eventually one day right. interpret that and put that in my own Express music. it in your own way. Yeah. So let's go back to your story. How long are you in Atlanta? Four years, yeah. I went to Atlanta college, for four okay. years, yeah. And then I and worked at IBM after. In Atlanta? In Atlanta, in and, Smyrna, Georgia. And then you going back to Miami eventually? or I go to Tallahassee. Oh. Right. So okay. I got really, uh, I didn't like Atlanta. Okay. Right. It wasn't really, I didn't like Atlanta. It's, I hated IBM. And I hated corporate life. Mm. And I hated how much, um, this is my first interaction with white people as well. So mm-hmm. I didn't know any white people before IBM. Mm-hmm. And that's from Jamaica Miami, Atlanta, I knew no white and this, people. You're in college studying what? Like you think marketing. Okay. Right. Yeah. So then in, in at IBM, um, there's only five black people there, like two thousand white people. So I, mm-hmm. this is my first time. And, and I and I ended up hating it. And mm-hmm. I was like, yo, I, I can't fuck with white people like this, man. Yeah. They're weird. So <laughs> I eventually like that corporate, after, it destroys culture. It's when horrible, you put that man. corporate white shit it's in horrible, anywhere, bro. it destroys culture. We talked about that, it on the ride up. Yeah, it's this. It's the. It's the. It's the. As, as my my friend of Broadway Dre would say, it's the vibe eradicator. Yeah, yeah. it's like yo, you could have a great energy, a great um, creative, uh, you know, flow. And the corporateness comes and just chops money. It. You put money in something, it's gonna yeah. kill. money will kill culture, and that's why I'm defending Winwood so hard yeah. right now because Winwood is such a beautiful place right All now. High I just, rises, though. We'll I see just happened, see it. Boy. I see the pictures of what they're you building, and I'm just happening. like, nah, like, don't do it, man. I was there when it happened in Coconut Grove. Coconut Grove used to be the spot, and then all those buildings got built up, and they killed Coconut Grove, man. I remember you taking, we used to take the vert out and ride up and down Coconut mm. Grove, and then eventually they started giving us tickets and telling us they don't want our cars on the on the streets in Coconut Grove. So you couldn't ride yeah. a dunk through Coconut Grove at one time. Right. It was killing it. And they but they want it. to take the culture and make money from it too exactly. when it's convenient for them, you know? Exactly. But, but, but let me go back to what I'm saying real quick um, about uh, the corporate world and how it affects your 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 peace, your mind. Um, you know, we were speaking on some things briefly uh, before the show, but, you know, anybody out there that works a nine-to-five job understands that your boss has a boss mm-hmm. and usually that boss has a boss. Mm-hmm. And so what you end up having is a lot of people who are very scared. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to lose their job. Mm-hmm. And so corporate companies are very much like, it's just McDonald's cashier above McDonald's cashier above mm-hmm. McDonald's cashier. And when I say McDonald's cashier, I mean that person at the McDonald's uh, cashier cash register doesn't, want to lose their job you're just an employee at the end of the day just that's an employee. All, yeah. so if if i tell you man it's gonna cost you 25 cents for that extra barbecue sauce mm-hmm. you're yelling at me now and going mm-hmm. 25 cents for some fucking barbecue sauce mm-hmm. bitch give me some fucking barbecue sauce stop playing right you don't see that i'm just working you're just relaying messages up the, i got, up a chain, I got a, like somebody told me it cost 25 cents for the extra barbecue sauce and now i tell you that and as mad as you get i don't care right and that's the difference. That's what corporate world is, right? Mm-hmm. So you end up working this job and you're just like, fuck, man. You know, this shit sucks. And you realize that the person that making it, that's making it suck for you is also in a sucky situation. Mm-hmm. And their person above them is in a sucky situation. Mm-hmm. And they all just are like, yo, I don't care. Yeah. I, I just, I, I can't lose my job. It's capitalism, man. Yeah, man. So, you know, it is what it is. I quit. Um, it's a funny story on why I quit, though. Um... I was already like not into it, 
But, uh, you know, me being who I am, who I is, mm-hmm. and anybody that's ever known me know uh, there's no point to a job if there's not a hookup. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, when I used to work at uh, my first job uh, was uh, selling tapes in the streets. I used to mm-hmm. walk around with a boom box. Carol Martin shit. Carol Martin, but yeah. also like on South Beach. I used to mm-hmm. walk around on South Beach selling tapes back when South Beach was hood. But, you know, I used to walk around on South Beach selling tapes. I used to walk around Liberty City selling tapes. I used to walk around everywhere with tapes. And um, people know that's the hookup. Then after that, I worked at a barbershop in uh, in Carroll City, Mr. Russell's Barbershop. It's a barbershop that's in a house. And they know, okay, yeah, I'm going to go get mm-hmm. a cut from him because that's the hookup. Mm-hmm. Then I ended up working at a place called Long John Silver's on 183rd next to American High School. And I'm just throwing free food out the window because that's the hookup. <laughs> um, so when I worked at IBM, you know, you're trying to figure out what's the hookup. What can I do to make people be like, damn, okay, he hooked that up. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, one guy called from Barbados, a black guy from Barbados called and the IBM way to do anything. And I think the corporate way to do anything is to tell it's a lie. And mm-hmm. you have to tell people I can't fix your problem, which is what I see Apple doing now, mm-hmm. which is very much like, oh, man, that phone is old. We can't service that. I don't know what you're going to do. You just should get a get new phone. New one, yeah. That's what I used to do to every, I, every literally all day long. That's all I did. Mm-hmm. Lie. Somebody called. They say, hey, man, I got some issues here with my mainframe because I did mainframes. He'd be like, Poof, man, how was your mainframe? Six months. You should just get a new one. A mm-hmm. new one costs $250,000. You know, so I hustled that and I get commission off of those sales. So anyways, the black guy calls. I'm not doing that to him. I had no problem running that trick with white people. But man, when the black mm-hmm. guy called, I just was like, man, and he from Barbados. I was like, man, I can't yeah. do it. So I say, man, check this out, man. $9,000. I'll fly somebody out there. They'll bring the parts. They'll fix your problem. Mm -hmm. Good. Fixes the problem. He calls my boss the next day and is like, yo, man, this employee is the best employee you've ever had. He's awesome. My my boss pulls me into the office and goes, why did you do that? That's not what we do. Mm -hmm. You could have sold him a whole new unit. Mm -hmm. Instead, you helped fix his unit. And from that, my soul just no longer was in it. I realized that, you know what I'm saying? I'm not here. Capitalism is just about sucking money out. Yeah, I'm not here to help people. I'm yeah. here to make money. It's like then the medical field too. I had a doctor on here talking about she quit the medical field because she realized this isn't about helping sick people. This right. is about this is about how much money we could squeeze out of insurance. Oh, I gotta companies. watch that one because I'm into that. But yeah, yeah. My, my my mind switched after that. My mind switched off to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yo, I got to do something. And so a lot of my friends, you know, they had gone to school in Tallahassee. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, man, I'm calling them. They're like, man, why don't you just come to Tallahassee, dog? Just stay on the couch. Mm-hmm. And figure it out. So I do that. I quit IBM. Very well paying job. If I mm-hmm. if I haven't like injected that for people who don't know what IBM is or was, IBM was the was e- easily the number one company to work for in America. So, so you was always good in school. I was like, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. always. Okay. I got a mama that need me. So, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I I worked at a that job that that job paid very well at the mm-hmm. time. Uh, this is the late 90s. So, you know, for me, I was like, yo, I'm I'm out. And so my boy said, yeah, come crash at the, at the crib in Tallahassee. And then I just was like, yo, well, while I'm here, why don't I just apply for grad school and see if I can get in? Mm-hmm. I got into FAMU and uh, ended up getting a master's degree in journalism. Mm-hmm. And so that ended up like really solidifying me being into music because now I was, so journalism had three parts, radio, film, TV. I chose radio. So now I'm doing the same kind of radio thing I was doing in Atlanta, but with the degree behind me and on a much more urban setting. And so I started working in the field up there and then 
yeah, that was it. I just was into radio after that. I came mm. out of Miami, got on Mix 96, then got on 1035 to beat, and um, did radio for about 10 years. Wow. Yeah. Well, so, okay, so you, you come back to Miami, and so you're basically, your introduction into making music from, making money from music is in the radio. You're not With DJing. The hustle. Right. You're not mixing, you're just on the no. personality on the mic at the I'm time. I'm a personality on the mic, it's the hustle. Got you. But I decided actually, Sorry, let me stop. Right before back to Miami, I decided to go to Brooklyn. Damn, bro. Man. So I was like, I'm going to do music. Mm -hmm. And then I just thought about it and thought about it. And I'm just sitting in my brain. I'm like, man, where's the number one place for music? New York City. At that time, yeah. At that time, 99, 2000, 2001. So I'm like, you know what, man? I'm going to move to New York. Because if that's where the best are doing it, mm -hmm. I got to be with the best. And I decided to do that. And that's exactly what I did, man. So shout out to Dagger, rest in peace, my best friend. Um, his murder is still unsolved. And we, you know, we hustled in uh in New York, man. We made New York. We made New York. I'll tell you something, man. New York before 9-11, boy, mm. Wild West. Especially mm. in Canarsie, where we were staying. That whole crip thing started to pop off at that time. And you know, for me, Miami was never into that. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? So yeah, we weren't. We're not gangbanging. We're not doing that. Like that. Yeah, it'd be more like streets and crews and yeah. parks. But we, uh, but so I had to stand on my own too. And you know, uh, I would go from from Canarsie to downtown Brooklyn, and then uh, sometimes go up to the Bronx. And at that time, Latin Kings and Bloods and mm -hmm. Crips all knew, and they all looking to rep. You get on the chain, you get on the train, and 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 they're trying to slice you just just to get into the gang and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, that was a wild time. It was a wild York. time, boy. So, you know, and then I started to pick up uh, a lot of the uh, income streams that my boy Dagger was doing at the time, and we ended up both going to prison at the same time in New York and Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I when I when I got out, I, I realized like, man, I got this love for music. And I've never, I've never really taken the time to be like, man, let me get into it. So I ended up getting a job at a spot called um, Beach Street Records, downtown Brooklyn. Shout out to Dagger once again, because he did get me that job. Shout and, out to Culture. Sorry to interrupt you, but you're in late 90s in Brooklyn. Would you yeah. say this is like where Caribbean reggae music is like in a really good place at this time? Correct. And like almost like the golden era. Like you Maybe you could say golden era, but for sure it's at a high. Yeah. It's at an extreme high. Yeah. Right. You know, so I get this job at Beach Street, which was easily the number one record shop in, a, in, a, in, a, in the world, maybe. I like guess mm -hmm. the most iconic place you could work at in a record shop. And I'm meeting everybody. I'm meeting Capri, Jazzy Jeff, Biz Marquis. You know, I'm meeting every single DJ that mattered. And I start getting gigs. I start opening. I start carrying boxes. I start networking my i start leveraging my ability so to sell somebody to records. So now i'm starting to buy records mm. and go out and dj gotcha let's say steal records but mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying i'm starting to get records and uh go out and dj so you know a lot of it really um started with um coming home and realizing like yeah, i gotta do this for real and um dagger was still uh locked up at the time and he came home a little while after and um he continues to do a lot of the things that we was doing before and uh he ended up getting murdered shortly after hmm. so that was when i was like all right now i'm gonna go back to miami okay so that's when i went back to miami after that and then uh you know what year is this it's like, gotta be 2000 2001 yeah early 2000. okay and what, what's the state of miami at the time like it's weird man because pirate radio is popping right big time 
and I love pirate radio. So I was like, I got to get on pirate radio. I wanted to be on pirate radio more than regular radio. Really? You could say anything. You could do anything. And the people were calling. The phone lines are going crazy. And the person at the top is a hustler. And the person that's, a, you know. It's not a suit. It's not corporate. No, They're not trying to nothing. sell ads. So yeah. All they want to do is get you to get their party popping. Mm. They got a party and they want you to get it popping. And you do whatever you got to do to get that party popping. And I loved it. When I went over to 103 Fighter Beat, man, that was not it. That's yeah. when I was like, damn, I can't do this. Yeah. You know, so I did that for a little while, but yeah, Power Radio was 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 it for me because you be you you could truly be yourself. There wasn't mm -hmm. even a time slot. Mm -hmm. You show up. When you when, <laughs> when you um and yeah, let's that's how Khaled made his name too. Let's be clear. Same station, bigger mark. Right. When, and when you came back and started DJing, did you, you know, have like that Jamaican style? Like Correct. like Okay, so as soon as you started DJing, you're like, yo, I'm going to just embrace my Jamaican roots and have that style. In a way. Okay. I was still, I was still doing the more Yankee stuff. Got you. Over Jamaican music. Got so you. So I had, my teachers are Uncle Al. Okay. I do what Uncle Al does over dancehall. Okay. I become this unique, one-of-a-kind wow. person. Okay. And even the Miami DJs that were Jamaican that grew up in Miami begin to see that the two worlds, which were, which were pretty separate in style, could merge as one. So you start to see a lot of other DJs go, oh, man, I grew up in Miami, too. Why don't I just do this kind of like regulating and talking over the... the so uh, while she educate me a little bit, because Jamaican style, they've always been heavy on the mic. Right. Uncle Al was always heavy on Super the mic. Heavy. So what's the difference? The difference between is um, regulating, you know, uh, in the Jamaican style, there's bar talk. So basically... Uh, a song would have a four bar intro and in that four bar intro you're trying to say something clever so that when you get out of the four bars whatever the first couple words of whatever he's saying are going to connect with whatever you just said understood right so it's almost like you're kind of like rapping a four bar like a not rapping but you're making a big speech got you, you do it for got four you. bars you do it for eight bars but whatever you're saying you have that amount of time to make it make sense with whatever is about to come next so if you were to say play um Everyone falls in love, mm -hmm. right? And that's everyone falls in love mm -hmm. sometimes. All right. So before that, I have four bars to say, I don't know about you guys, but I know as tough as you are, as much as you try to run from somebody, yo, just remember. And then everyone, everyone falls. Fall. Okay. Right? So that's a Jamaican style. And the place goes crazy because they go, okay, what you just said made sense with the and song. Did they we talk over the rest of the record or was over it just the rest that of intro? The record, they then would say things like, so, and right, and okay. uh, and little things got you at that time talking over it wasn't as big as it is now it's actually much bigger now but um but at that time the intro was the main part and got then you. you might let the song play for a little while and then you'd mix in and do intro 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 was this every record they would leave every intro record, time intro time okay. every record intro time every single record so as the next one as you see him let it go you lower the volume mm. and you know you got four bars to say something yeah, and it's gonna be so nerdy for everybody yeah, out there. We're that's like not into yeah. music. <laughs> if you like music, that's not for you. If you love music, you're having a good time yeah. right now. Um, but for sure, we 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 definitely nerding out right now. And then um, Miami music was much different. Miami music was song start, DJ remember every single word in the song, mm. take out this word, put his word in, bring that the next word back up, take it out, put his word in put the next word back up and basically regulate over a song. Mic check over a song. Inserting your own lines, inserting your own bars. and Correct. To mm. alter the meaning of the entire song. Right. I started to do that on dancehall. 
Okay. Wow. So I became an Uncle Al on dancehall music. Wow. You know, and a jam pony on dancehall music. Wow. And it was working. You know what I'm saying? Because we in Florida. Everybody gets it. Did you get a chance to take that style to Jamaica and do that in no, Jamaica? No, it wouldn't have worked in Jamaica. Okay. But here, it totally works. Okay. If I go to New York, I had to dumb it down a little bit, but I can still do it. Because it's funny. Right. That's all that matters. It's just entertaining. And I was right. very good at it. I was extremely good at it. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm being humble. Yeah. I was the fucking man. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's real talk, man. Mm -hmm. I, nobody, could, nobody could get on a microphone in Miami and beat me at that. I go to any... I go to any reggae party and just destroy the place. So when you're in Miami DJing now with this new style that you've adopted, what clubs are you doing at this time? Well, I, I joined a group called Black Chinese. Okay. And we're the number one sound system in the world. Right. And that's based on my ability to do that as well as uh, Super Dupes and Willie Chen's ability to make remixes, you know, taking uh, reggae vocals and putting them on hip hop beats. Mm -hmm. And Bobby Chen was extremely good at making people laugh and so he would say the meanest things and the most hurtful things and the crowd would just go crazy with laughter it'd be so fucking funny mm. and so that group it just it just melted the world man we had the world on lock we had mm -hmm. the world on absolute lock and so that's what i started to do i started to do clubs as uh the sound system black chinese and you're touring at this point touring yeah, yeah. at this point touring the world at this point wow. this is you know early 2000s 2005 things like that mm -hmm. we're the biggest thing in, in, on the planet Mm -hmm. And are you, you're not, because shout out to Super Dupes, he's a legend. And, Big time. And you're, are you, are you producing records? or nah. are you you're just I'm watching Dupes them? produce. Okay. I'm just MCing. I'm watching wow. Dupes produce and Willie Chin is beginning to produce. But I'm watching Dupes produce remixes mm -hmm. and get dub plates and things like that. And even his, he himself wasn't producing mm -hmm. at that time, but he's doing production. Uh, he is producing because he's making remixes. Right. Um, and so, yeah, you know, when he started to actually put out records, that's when he began to to step away from Black Chinese and, and really focus on making music. Right. But yeah, I don't want to jump too far ahead to the story because I want to get to the Major Laser part. Yeah. But what? So what? What is happening in between? You know, after that and before Major Laser? Oh man, before that we just torn. Before that we're clashing. We're doing all kind of stuff. Okay. Everything. Everything before Major Laser was Black Chinese. I did Black Chinese for like twelve years. Right. And then. Uh, uh, Diplo was a fan of Black Chinese. You know, he's mm -hmm. from Fort Lauderdale. He went to Plantation High School. Right. So he was a fan of Black Chinese. And then he was just like, yo, can I get some of those remixes? And I was like, yeah, I got you. Mm -hmm. And we just became friends. Mm -hmm. And then one day he just was like, yo, man, I need I need an MC for a show. Could you come do it? And that's exactly how I got on Major League. Wow, that's how it started. Yeah. And how, did, how, how was your initial, you know, reaction to Diplo being that, you know, like you said, like, just a white dude, like, yo, let me get some of these remixes. Like, how do you, you know. No, nah, his spirit was good, man. His soul right. was good, man. You From know, his energy, right, when you meet his him. His energy was good. We clicked like best friends, and to this day, we speak every single day. Right. That's awesome, bro. So, Major Laser happens, and this starts just you emceeing for Diplo. Correct. During his sets. And then, you know. So major laser happens and you guys are We going crazy by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I don't I don't want anybody to think like, oh, Walsy Fire just was emceeing for his set. We going crazy. Yeah. The shit was going crazy. Trust like, me. I, you, Black Chinese was already like going crazy. And right. then when I started to MC for West, it goes crazy. Right. Like, 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 like stage dives, mm. you know what I'm saying? The hamster ball, like 
the shows are going crazy. People are hanging from the from the from right. the rafters. I want to get into that show you guys did in Cuba as well, yeah, which is some legendary one. shit. Yeah, Four hundred thousand, but, but yeah, crazy. But mm-hmm. I don't want to get to that yet. But can you speak to um, Diplo's genius? Kind of no, what he brings. He's a, to- he's a true genius, man. And to be honest with you, he's very similar to me in life experience, being a part of music, mm-hmm. and that's why I think like man. We just gonna be undefeated. We just there's nobody that's gonna beat us at what we do because we grew up in Florida. Mm. Growing up in Florida is the ultimate foundation for music, and I mean that. After I've lived in New York, I lived in D.C., I lived in Toronto, I lived in Atlanta, and I've lived in a few other little countries. I realized there's no other place that had so much multicultural influence on music in house at home home team mm-hmm. like florida mm-hmm. we had freestyle music we had um bass music we had gangster rap like you know, when house I think, music reggae yeah, when it, I think it about, doesn't stop latin when like i it, think about the latin music you know how that all is like a whole other world of influence and how we were listening to it regularly haitian music regular regular mm-hmm. regular everybody here has all of that in them mm-hmm. so we now go out into the world and everybody's like, yo, why is it that you're so easily relatable to everything? You go into any space and somebody plays something brand new and you catch it like this and you produce one. Mm-hmm. And it's just like you get it. And it's because of that foundation in Florida, for sure. That's why. So I tell the people all this all the time. Like, and I say that like when I went to L.A., for example, I love L.A. I love, you know, the West Coast, the way it looks, the city. Yeah. But you immediately feel culturally like deprived you feel because coming from south florida you have all these it's a caribbean melting pot you have all different types of sounds and you you go to these other places within the country and you realize like man your your, your vision is so narrow like Fact. it doesn't you know what i mean and that's the truth and i know a lot of people gonna be offended by that. right maybe that's the soundbite for this clip yeah you know what i'm saying but it's just a fact you mm-hmm. go to any other part of america and you realize they don't really have a global mix that's musically putting that's putting something into the music so you can go to new york they've got a global mix of people but not all of those people are adding to the music scene right that the kids are listening to right la same thing they've got a global city but you don't really have too many russians that are adding to the music scene adding their culture are listening to in south florida that's exactly what it was Mm -hmm. everybody from everywhere everywhere started to add to the to the to the youth culture Mm-hmm. And the youth culture began to go, yo, I'm going to add this Dominican song and I'm going to add this Duke hey, song and combine yo, it. And I'm going to combine it. And mm-hmm. after a couple of years of this, I'm going to have this music. And that's exactly what Booty Shake was. That's exactly what Miami Bass was. Mm-hmm. Was this, you know, this, this real um, gumbo, this real pot of everybody adding something in. Different. And then all of these kids who were not of the culture that was adding something in, they were from another culture taking that and and everybody getting a plate of it and right just like that. And there's like, so oh, many damn. miami examples of that like for example you take laz esa morena a merengue sample and it puts some miami bass drums on it and boom, it you just sense. combine something and it's a it's classic it, it made never- sense it's totally classic and it feels great shout out to dj laz the god mm, yeah shout out to everybody that's put in the work in miami but yeah it's a unique thing because i've been everywhere and i've never mm. seen it i've never seen it i've never seen the people from uh, you know, all of these other cultures that are in these other cities add to the youth music. Right. 
you know right. what I'm saying, like how South Florida did. And we, you know, I, and I hate to be like the pessimist, like talking about today's music, but, you know, being a DJ and, you know, I DJ mostly hip hop, it feels monotonous. It feels like no, everyone's afraid to experiment. You have the yeah. people that are down to experiment and try something new and start a new wave. And then you have the me too's that just want to start, right. you know. Yeah. And we don't have to talk about just my history. You know, I, I'd love to get into topics like this, you know, right. that talk about a lot of the other stuff. But yeah, let's just go through my history real quick so we can, we can get into some stuff that's going to irk some people's soul, man. Yeah. Let's get, let's, let's yeah. get. <laughs> so, so, okay. So let's go to Major Laser, man. Yeah. Major Laser, lean on. I'm, I'm working yeah. at Power 96 at the time. And this is, at one point, it held the YouTube record, correct? Like for the most viewed streams. First one to get a billion. First? Wow. Shout out to Drake. Came after with God's plan. Okay. But we the first. Damn, bro. Okay. And now this is the first time. You guys are the first ones, I would say, that combined electro elements with island music. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that was a combination that was in 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 and it crossed over. You had yeah. people like Bieber, you had people like you had these people like are, that are culturally narrow, like we said before. They started to buy into this sound, which was new. You guys cultivated that sound. It was like Caribbean electro almost, you know? Facts. And 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 you're emceeing, are you are you in the studio during these things? Are you putting yes. your input in these things? What what Yes. And I'm telling you, man, that's why I think that me and Wes are the best, yo, we're like partners in crime, bro. Mm -hmm. Like, yo, when we start to bounce ideas off of each other, it's coming straight from experience. We are looking at our foundation of Florida experience, and then we are looking at our global experience through traveling. And mm -hmm. we're trying to think of what it is that would make, what's what's going to make the entire world go, I get that. Right. I get that. And, right. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, it takes two It takes two of us to really go through it and be like, man, you know, this is what's going to work. Because mm -hmm. he'll come up with an idea or I'll come up with an idea. But we'll cancel it if we don't think it'll work. You know? Right. And then when we find out one, they were like, yeah, that's the one, man. Right. Wow. Yeah. Now let's go to that. You know, Major Lays, you guys are setting records at this point. And this Cuba show, right? Mm -hmm. Like, this is the first show. You guys are the first American pop act that, you know, did a show in Cuba when the diplomatic um, ties were, like, loosened or they were allowed Dipo, to do some shit Dipo like this. Diplomatico. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Yeah. Big June. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and, and can you can you talk about that experience? Like it was a great experience, man. Shout out to everybody in Cuba, man. Best experience of my life. That in Venezuela. I mm -hmm. did a show. We did a show in Barquisimento, mm -hmm. Venezuela. Um also the most uh most hate messages I've ever received. From but from who from, from Miami Cubans. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Same thing. Miami Venezuelans. When we did our show in Venezuela, Miami Venezuelans were sending plenty of hate me hate messages. Wow. And I, that's when I started to really like love what i do mm -hmm. because i realize if you're not irking somebody if you're not making somebody feel awkward and make them feel that mental pressure then maybe you're not doing something right yeah you don't play it so safe yeah you're not and so when i got all of these messages from people being like man i can't believe you're gonna do a show in cuba man fuck you yeah one you start to realize man they never say this in your face yeah you know it's so weird we both in miamy yeah, you're from Miami. You, you're you, amongst you, Cubans all the you time. You know where I DJ. Mm -hmm. If this really irks you, mm -hmm. I'm there. You could you could pull up. That's social media, man. Um, but it's very it's very 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 easy to say fuck you uh, in a comment section through a screen. Uh, but then you also started to realize, like, man, you know, it's almost like two different worlds, man. You get to Cuba and it's very black, and mm -hmm. you don't realize that because in Miami you don't really see them like that. And so you started to realize, like, yo, Cuba's a 
Cuba's like an African country, man. It's black. Well, we could get, look, I might, <laughs> we're going to put, you talking about pushing the envelope. We could get really yeah. diplomatic with this, but Cuba was the last Caribbean country to abolish slavery, yes, right? Yes, it was. So, yeah, you don't want that pressure, but definitely, yeah. like, you think about what it is that makes somebody say, I don't want you to go down there and entertain. That's when mm -hmm. it starts to get weird. Yeah. Because regardless of whatever's happening in the political landscape, the people that are on the ground are just like you and I. Mm -hmm. They love music just like you and I. Mm -hmm. And going there and performing a song or performing a show for those people has no reflection on how you feel mm -hmm. about the people that are in power. Mm -hmm. All it says is, I want to give people who have never had an experience like this, yeah. that experience, which means- Yeah, we you're spent, not politically supporting anybody. We spend tons of money on making sure that our show was as close to as caliber as it was in America. We didn't get them no little warehouse yeah, show. Yeah. They had a festival, they bro. They had a festival. We gave them the light show. We gave them the, you know, everything that the government allowed us to use, we used it. Um, and that to me is what's important is bringing my music to people regardless of what's going on in the country right. because i know my music is going to influence and inspire mm -hmm. those kids that are in the audience listening to my music are going to be looking at me and going man you look just like me mm -hmm. and here you are saying something positive and showing me that it's possible mm -hmm. and that's all that mattered to me was being able to be a reflection do you, have, do you have any crazy stories um, nah. just in, in Cuba, Cuba, like just something that was nah. culturally shocking to Nothing. you because you're one of the, you know what I mean? Like we didn't get to go to Cuba at this time. You're one of the yeah. first to be able to just go to Cuba freely. Nah, like that. nothing, man. You want to hear something shocking? Tell me if this shocks you. No crime anywhere. Mm. Does that shock you? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You, you, the dude, they had a, um, a liaison for us and he was like, yo, just remember, you can go outside at any hour of the night and walk any single street and no one is going to fuck with you. And I tested it. Mm. And I went outside at 3 a.m. and walked down the darkest corners that I could find. Why is that, do you think? I think that that's one of those things that nobody wants to talk about. Yeah. Is that <laughs> crime just doesn't exist right. in a very good way. Right. It just doesn't exist. You don't see a bunch of threats as you walk around and go, oh, no, 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 no. Right. Nah, it doesn't happen. Um, I believe that those people would ne they just don't, that crime is just not in the culture like that. That doesn't mean that politically some kind of crimes aren't happening, you know right. what I'm saying? But yo, you don't see anybody snatching a chain. It doesn't happen. And mm -hmm. I think that that's because what would happen to that person that snatches the chain would be so crazy mm. that they, they just don't do it. The punishments are but severe the lady, over there. I, I ended up walking past this lady's house and she, she invited me over for food. And it was like one, two in the morning. And mm -hmm. she was like, yo, what are you doing walking down the street? And I was just like, you know, my, in my best Spanish, I was like, yeah, you know, it's just such a beautiful country. I don't want to be cooped up in the hotel. I just want to walk around. And she was like, yeah, well, she brought her son down and her son was like um, listening to uh, some some reggaeton on his YouTube, on the phone, on, mm -hmm. on YouTube. And I was like, oh, I was like, oh yeah, no, nah, I know these songs. We were talking about the music. And then she was like, are you hungry? And I was like, I don't even know y'all. Mm -hmm. Let's go. Wow. I actually had dinner with a family that I had no clue who they were they were and I at, and it was early in the morning and they were just up because she was working some shop or something like she had like a shop she was selling some cloth or something like that and, but at the end of the day I was just like yo Cuba is probably the most hospitable place I've ever been it's probably the nicest people I've ever met in my life really and then when I opened up my phone I was like oh it's like two different it's like two different two different sets of people 
you know, the people in Cuba were so nice and so welcoming, so amazing. And then the people that are in Miami are so angry and they're so upset that you are there. And, and, and the angry enjoying. people have nice things, have nicer have, things, yeah. have luxuries. You know, you, know, over what, the you know what else you, get, you begin to find out is that a lot of those people actually had never been to Cuba too. It's their mm. grandparents. Projecting their fears yeah, and their and insecure. their grandparents were like, yo, this is how I feel. Mm. And so their parents took that on and then they took that on. And I think that uh, this next generation of Miami Cubans, I don't think they're gonna, they're not gonna take that stuff on like that. I think- They're open. I think they're gonna be just open-minded to their own experiences and coming to their own conclusions. And I think that's how it should be. Uh, salute to my grandmother, of course. Mm -hmm. My grandmother was a heavy Christian. Mm -hmm. And so naturally as a kid, I was a Christian. And at some point I began to experience life and enjoy life and got away from Christianity, mm -hmm. never went back. Mm -hmm. And I understand that I had to go through my own life experiences to get to that point where I made my own decisions. Right. And I think that's what's going to happen. I okay. think that you're going to have a, a group of um, kids that are just going to evaluate situations on their own. And they're going to hear what their grandparents were saying. Right. They're going to respect what their grandparents are saying. But they're not going to automatically form that same opinion right. without having gone or experiencing whatever the, the, the topic is on their right. own. Wow. So, Walsh, you've been around the world. Um, can you speak to another, another I, one I, of your? <laughs> can you speak to another one of your favorite cities? That, that oh man, we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about Africa, then, man. Rwanda, Uganda, Malawi, mm -hmm. South Africa, Cape Town, Johannesburg, Kenya, of course. Shout out to everybody in Nairobi mm -hmm. um, and Ghana. Wow. Yeah. And 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 correct me if I'm wrong, but I, um, Diplo and you guys, you. you you guys kind of make custom music for the show, the, the show in the area in that the you're, area. which is the dopest shit in it's the world, the best thing bro. In the world. Like and how it's are you the about most to go fun creating it before the show? So you do your research, and I and do my research. That's we get on bro. the ground, we land, we immediately go to the ghetto, so we immediately go to the clubs, we immediately go find out what's going on because radio usually isn't going to tell you what's going on. So you got to get out into, into the streets, and then you find the artists that are doing it, and then you get dub plates from these artists, wow. and these dub plates go straight from voicing them to the show so can you give us a, a specific example maybe you you, you fly into uganda yeah. as soon as you get there you're not yeah. there with your set like most djs about to just do whatever the fuck you want to do you're let's gonna go clear. there you, yeah let's be clear we land in uganda nine out of ten djs go okay this is dope um where's the yacht mm. let me go out on the ocean what's the we don't do that we immediately go to the people we take it to the streets we go to mm -hmm. the markets we go to wherever the people are and we begin to ask questions and find out what's going on on the ground mm -hmm. and then Music, like, musically right? this like song musically and also culturally because mm -hmm. once you can find out that something big is happening we incorporate it in the show so for instance if um there's a local football team that just won something big we go get the jersey wow and once you step out on stage, the place goes crazy because they're like, how does he know that? You see, that's the difference between being a culture vulture and being mm -hmm. someone who's actually, you know, like doing the research and taking the time to understand culture. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah. And I think even that, like when I look at the word culture vulture, I realize it's one of those things that just gets uh, applied to things that it doesn't even make sense. It got applied to because in actuality, everything that we we know is a part of this culture vulture system. And for anybody that would be calling someone else out on culture vulturing, um, they probably are using a medium to do it that's actually culture vulturing. Like in my opinion, Instagram is a culture vulture. Mm -hmm. You know, Instagram is a platform that knows that there's 
high numbers in, let's say, black death. Right. Right. But they know that they're going to make so much money from promoting that on the algorithm. Right. You know, so they'll promote black death. They'll promote um, genocidal music. Right. Music that's just negative and killing. And you see it on the you see it on the top. Right. You know, and then you realize like, okay, well, if they were culturally responsible, they would go, yo, you know what? We're not promoting that. So if there's a song where a black guy talks about killing another black person, we're just not going to promote that right. because we see we see the negativity in that. Right. Um, but instead, they highlight it. Right. You know. And so you wonder, like, when we use words like culture vulture, where exactly you know do we allow it to happen and where we don't? But you know, Diplo goes through that all the time. He always gets that label on. See, but see, to me, the way I distinguish it, there's a difference between stealing something and getting inspired by something. So if I'm gonna do a show in Uganda Facts. and I just go on YouTube and find what's hot and just play and, and sample it, and okay, um, I, I'm stealing. But if I'm landing, I'm um, I'm landing there and I'm going to the hood and I'm and I'm doing research and I'm talking right. to the people. Now I'm not stealing it. Now I'm getting inspired and I'm doing the due diligence to really show that I care. Yeah, about inspiration the is is a key part of what we do, but a lot of people. Um, do more than you know uh inspire they they just steal there's exactly. that, is that there is that for sure where somebody would be like yo what is that and then someone would say that's dance hall and they go okay that's dance hall i like it you know what why don't i call it tropical house uh and not call it dance hall and it'd be the same thing and mm. i can i can own it now mm. and then when it comes out everybody goes oh look that's a dance hall song and the person's going no 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 i own this it's called tropical Mm-hmm. You know, and then you start to realize that okay, yeah, that's the guy right there who does the the stealing. Right, you know, that's the kind of guy that you know you you wanna you wanna make sure you you let him know like yo, you can't just take something. You know, house music. A lot of people don't believe that house music is a black music. It's so mm-hmm. weird that I can have this conversation with nine out of ten people, and they have labeled house music as white people like music. European music. Yeah. yeah, they think white people made mm-hmm. and own it. You know, house but, music is so vague. There's so many different types of house music. There's so many different like what but is the history house- of house music is right. the club house, the right. actual venue called Paradise Garage, the actual venue See, where house music started. Educate me, you I'm- know what I'm saying. And so when you look at who are the people that are the originators of house music, it is black people. It mm-hmm. is the Frankie Knuckles. It is the you know the people that are in New York and in Chicago that are making actual house music that mm-hmm. nobody wants to hear because they're doing rock music. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so, of course, rock music also taken from um, black culture. But, you know, just to stay on house music, it's not until this house music begins to be get, get popular mm-hmm. that then white people go, oh, I, I, I'm going to start making some of this. And then it just goes off. Right. And it goes so far it gets off. Whitewashed. It goes so far off that it becomes something that that people don't even remember the origin of it. Mm. And so I do encourage everybody to look up that venue, Paradise Garage and um, Larry Levine and Frankie Knuckles. Look at those names. You know, those are the people that really started it. So, and uh, and they, they, they get their credit on some level, but they deserve much more. Dope. So I want to go back to the process, for example, of, of you, you know, doing your research. You land in Uganda, you find out what sounds are popping, what music is popping. Yeah. And before you do the show, you guys go to the studio and you kind of combine yeah. the major laser world with what you've just learned and researched from that market. Right. Yeah. So we we have, we, we, we bring we have a studio we go, you know, bring with us. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we'll meet up in a hotel room and we'll sort it out. And we'll wow. make we'll, yeah, we'll, sit, we'll spend hours. 
That's incredible, man. So, you know, and but most importantly, most important thing is getting those dub plates, man. Right. The dub plates are what really destroy the place. It's like a cosign from the main. The you know dub I mean? plates are yo. When you have the local guy mm -hmm. singing a song just for that night mm -hmm. with your name in it and with the crowd's names in it and the response is euphoric. There's nothing bigger than that. No matter how much major laser music we play, nothing's gonna beat us doing a version of the local song. Mm -hmm. Nothing. And mm -hmm. that's the same all over the world. From India, you know, to Brazil. It's the same exact thing. You see it in their face. They look up and they're like, yo, did he just say that? Different from the original song? Just for tonight? Wow. Yo, this is, yo, it's money well spent. A major wow. laser show is money well spent. So could we, I mean, bro, you guys are global. You guys are international. So could we talk, okay, you, so you talk about the African vibe. Have you done, like, India, bro, that's a whole nother world as well. Like, you do yeah. the same process, figure same out thing. what sounds are going on Correct. over there. And, damn, what's the most energy you've ever felt in a city? What can, it's hard to say. Yeah. Because it's always energy. Yeah. Every night. Amazing. Wow. Every single city, amazing. I've, I've talked about this before. It's a little deep, but... I talk about, you know, being able to perform on a stage with that type of high. It's, it's a high that most people don't get to experience, right? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's like an addiction, I, I would say, almost as well. Do, mm -hmm. do you, and, and, and which is why I would say a lot of performers, you know, they, and artists, they end up getting hooked on, on things like drugs and things of that nature because they, it's almost like a godlike complex. You're on a stage with thousands and thousands of people. Right. Do you deal with any... Well, she do you deal with any type of mental, you know, nah. like mental health and no. thing, things of that nature? Nah. Like, and to me, those guys are weirdos, mm -hmm. you know, because. Well, it could be something as simple as anxiety, you know what I mean? Or just like. Let me say it like this, yeah. right? The reason why I say that, I can't relate. Okay. And I think anybody, 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 anybody who has come from low, low, low income. Mm -hmm. Poverty, ghetto, mm -hmm. the hood, the garrison. Mm -hmm. Anybody who's come from that and has an opportunity to make it in a world that's completely different from where they started. Mm -hmm. Usually, when I see those people in the EDM world, they're straight as an arrow because they're not fucking this up. Mm -hmm. What you end up with is the people who already had things, mm. the people who are pretty much privileged and don't need to DJ, don't need to produce. They just wanted to. And they had enough money to maybe buy themselves in or mm. they had enough going on that they had support to get started. And, and whatever initial investments happened, mm -hmm. you know, they were on their way. They're usually the ones that get fucked up. Mm. And it's weird to me and I can't relate. Got you. I can't relate. I sit back there, man. I'm backstage and I see these, I'll see some little white boy getting fucked up. And I'm just like, man, his life must have been great mm -hmm. because he's about to fuck up his opportunity. Yeah. Cause, cause and that go, high and, go, that... and go back to a place where, hey, I fucked up my opportunity. Not bad. I'm, I'm right. still okay. Right. For me, it's not like that. Got I you. can't fuck this up. Got you. I can't fuck this up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so I look at every single thing that's around me and I go, yo, y'all are wilding. And mm -hmm. I've been in rooms with some crazy shit happening. Yeah. The music high is enough for you. Just creating the music gives you the goosebumps. The opportunity. The Look at yeah. me, man. I got no jewelry on. Yeah. My car outside. I don't have a fancy yeah. car. I don't have a nice big mansion. I don't have none of that. You're comfortable in your own skin. Because You're I not have, trying to. And I got money. Mm. But I got to use my money wisely. 
Mm. I got to use my money to save lives. I got to use my money to help people who I know if I were to go and buy a $100,000 car, I've wasted an opportunity to save somebody's life. Mm. And so I look at every single thing that I do, every record, every live performance, and I say, damn, I'm so glad I have this opportunity to take this and now inject it into something that's going to make somebody's life different. Mm. And so when I look at these other guys, to me, man, they suckers to me, man. I ain't even going to lie to you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I just look at them and I shrug my shoulders and I'm not, I'm not trying to save none of them because I see already they're good. Life right. is good. They don't ha- they're clearly not surrounded by people who need them. Right. And so if they want to do a mountain of cocaine, a bunch of pills and, you know, swallow razors. To escape their life, to escape to get, what they're not comfortable in. Yeah, they're to not- get over whatever they're they talking about. I don't get it. Got you. And I'm not trying to be honest with you. I, I can't. I can't be around them too long. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I, I'd see them. I'd dap them. Mm-hmm. I'd say, yo, man, you're a nice guy, man. And I hope that you understand that you got a bigger purpose in this world. But that's on you, man. Got you. Know, you. Do you? And I just go on and keep doing me, man. So at the end of the day, I realized my purpose in this in this world and in this music industry has been to help. And so I do that to the maximum, to gotcha. the maximum degree. And I. I don't play with it, and I don't let nothing come around me that's going to mess it up. So, Walshie, how do you feel about the the current climate of music? Because I had this conversation with somebody the other day Mm -hmm. um, as far as Caribbean music goes. Mm -hmm. Because I've always gravitated toward Caribbean music and and the rhythms because I feel like it it balances out. it, 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 It balances out. You need... For for example, me being a Miami DJ growing up, you know, mm-hmm. Power 96, you always had that classic Power 96 crossover reggae. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, this city, if you grew up in Miami, Broward, West Palm Beach, you're familiar with Caribbean music, whether you're white, whether you're Asian, whatever it is, you've heard it on the radio. And I said this the other day, I said, right now, 2021 needs a crossover. We need a Sean Paul. These kids don't have a, a crossover reggae artist that, that you know, can... can you know, give, give, give the masses, uh, you know what I mean? Do you understand what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. when I'm playing Caribbean music now, I'm still playing, you know, the Wayne Wonders and I'm still mm-hmm. playing the Sean Pauls. The and I'm still, exactly. Yeah. Because it's crossover, because it's easily yeah. digestible. Right. Well, that's what I, I feel like we're missing in today's crossover reggae, crossover mm-hmm. Caribbean music. The last mm-hmm. record I had, you know, that felt that way was Toast. Thank that you, you produced as well. Appreciate you know you. what I'm saying? That's still heavy in the rotation. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, Fever is is a crossover record you could still Don't play. Try. You you have, you know, certain Vibes Cartel records that cross over. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that's what we I need in my set. I need. I think the club world needs that. We need a Sean Paul. These kids need a new Sean Paul. In my yeah, opinion. I mean, if not Sean Paul, they definitely want, um, they need some music that's going to be able to go um, international. But I will say this much. Something about uh, this conversation is a little white, so we want to make sure that right, we keep, right. that we keep the mind, we keep it in in in, in full in full scope. And, and I want and I want to say something before we get into that. I come from radio, so be clear. I'm I'm. If I need to play to a straight Caribbean crowd, I could get deep in my yeah. reggae crates. But right. my style has to be, I don't, I don't want to say white, I want to say crossover. It yeah. has to be digestible for an Asian, for 
uh, a New Yorker, for someone who comes from the West Coast, because my parties are, are usually diverse parties. Right. So, so I just wanted to put that out there before right. we get into that. So, yeah. So, I want to say is when we start to talk about stuff like this, I always want to remind somebody that that's that's not something I want to inject into the responsibility of the dance hall artists. Mm -hmm. I don't want them to think about you when they're right. making a record. Right. I just want them to make great records. Right. And it'll happen. Okay. So as much as we both agree, we want more of it. Mm -hmm. We want to see more successes. We want to see more records that when we get it, we can take it international and global. And yeah, we do get a lot of records that when we hear it, we go, man, uh, this one's not going to be the one I can really push. And you know, I want to push this music or I want to push this genre, but I can't really push these records. It'll happen. I just want people that are of the genre to maintain that authenticity and to keep it fun and real for whatever it is that's happening around them because every single record that we just mentioned mm -hmm. those all happened for the audience that they are that they're they're making music for so it for didn't happen for a suit to say we need a radio record a radio, that's what i wanted right. to ask you about okay so do you think there's something about um like so back then organically they were making they were organically making crossover music right melody happy correct. feel good correct you know it it seems like when 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 the i mean with any music but when the music gets too dark and grimy it it, it seems like it, it's harder to play in a crossover Not environment true. Very right true. right is that the space that caribbean music is in right now would you say um i wouldn't try to box it into anything okay it's just that that's that's what i think uh are the bigger hits right now got you you know um but again it's gonna happen it's okay. gonna happen naturally just just keep your eye and your ears down to the um to the genre and you know and, and to the streets and trust me you'll hear one record you go okay that one i can roll with okay you know so um yeah, no frets, no worries, man. It's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's gonna happen. Well, she, what? I mean, can you can you speak to like the music that you're making right now, the space you're in with, mm. with the whole Caribbean? Like, what are you yeah. wanting to push? What are you wanting to change within that world? Like, what do you want to well, see more of? What? Right. Yeah. So for me personally, everybody that has been following me musically uh, solo has probably seen that I've done a lot of the Africa meets Caribbean merger. Mm -hmm. I've done a lot of African and Caribbean artists on the same track. Mm -hmm. I've been doing that for like four years now. Mm -hmm. So for me, that's been the main thing I've been pushing in my music is Africa and the African diaspora collaborating mm -hmm. and using the sounds from both sides of the world mm -hmm. and blending them and then putting that out. Mm -hmm. And I did an album about two years ago called A Bang, and I'm working on the next album now. So mm -hmm. for me, that's that's my thing is taking uh, Africa and uh, the African diaspora. Mm -hmm. And making them collaborate together and making some dope stuff. Right. And yeah. see, Afrobeat is something, you know, relatively new that was able to cross over. Mm -hmm. um, what, and as I said, you know, we could say it's white, but I'm just speaking for the average person, whether you're Asian, whether you're Latino, or that just is not Caribbean, who doesn't know the, the, the specifics and the culture, you know, like that. What is the difference between, you know, 
Afro beats and you know, let's say dance hall because some of them have similar vibes, and a right. lot of people would mis- the average person would mistake the two sometimes. Right, and I think that this is an honest question for everybody out there who might get annoyed by the question and be like, "How can you mix the, like the clearly two different things?" Right, right. You know, I want them to just kind of think outside of themselves and think of the person, you know, the little white girl in Idaho, right, who's who's clueless. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So to me, the answer would be uh, there is a different drum pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a different in the lingua. You can mm-hmm. hear uh, sonically that one is of Africa and then the other one is, is dance off in the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. But I will say Africa has literally been a part of every single genre of music ever. That's a fact. And so therefore it's in everything. Um, and then I would say dancehall has just had such a huge global impact. Reggae too. It's been mm-hmm. such a big impactful music that it actually would go now back to Africa, where it came from, and begin to influence artists in Africa. So if you listen to a, a Burner Boy, or you listen to a Stone Boy, or you listen to Davido. a Shatawe Wale, you know, you'll hear a lot of the dancehall influences in what they do, mm. mixed with what they're now doing in, in, in their current Afrobeat music. And then they put that out, and you can hear the fusion. So, you know, it's gone, you know, it's, it's, it's come full circle and it's dope. It's dope. And, you know, yes, you will hear, um, a lot of similar similarities between the two because Afro, uh, beat is what birthed, you know, reggae and birthed dancehall and birthed soca and birthed salsa and birthed dembo and birthed mm-hmm. compa. Um, and so it's only natural that when those guys begin to hear the, the seeds, you know, the children, the percussion, are, and the yeah, certain familiar sound, what, what they, what they, what originally from them come back home, that they take some of that and then put it back into the music. You know what I'm saying? So, Dope. yeah, it's it's a beautiful thing, man. It's, everyone out there should definitely go check it out. Go check out playlists on Spotify, or whatever you listen to, and see what's the new music and the new tunes, and and get involved. Dope. So back back to my original question: What is something that you like to see more of? What are you pushing? What are where's your mind at in the space? Yeah, right? I, I'm I'm just pushing that collaboration. That's my whole thing. It's pushing the collaboration, getting people from different spaces that have never had the um, even the thought to work together to work together. Dope. That's my thing. Yeah, that's what I push. Got you. Do uh, you have any records? Are you and Diplo still working on some yeah, stuff together? Yeah, we just did or? Diplomatico, which came out a, uh, a couple weeks ago. Major Laser song. We got another one coming out with Moonchild, and uh, we have a Major Laser Reloaded album, which is going to be some added songs to the album uh, that we dropped. Uh, at the top of the year mm-hmm. and uh we'll probably drop another album after that and hopefully touring will come back and we're ready to go dope dope yeah, how, man, how, tune after tune man tune after tune, tune, after tune. Uh, how many how, how many songs do you make a day are you are you on? oh man maybe maybe not maybe not a day but when it, we get into a zone or i get into a zone i can make like three four a day yeah three four a day yeah but you know i do try to make at least one a day i try to do something musically a day for sure. Wow! Yeah, it's like doing push-ups. Like I, right. I try to do something musically. I, had, I have a conversation with producers as well because sometimes I feel like you know music today feels like fast food. Sometimes it feels like when people say they go into a studio and they do five songs a night. That's wild to someone like me who takes like maybe I take too long to make music. I like to garnish mm. my music like it's prime one twelve. Like mm. I make sure you know what I mean. So maybe yeah. I just take too long to make. But music. I get what they're saying. So I, in that sense, you know, to me, you take five songs a day. But you don't put five songs out. Right. You know, so you take five songs a day and then you take 25 songs at the end of the week and you you grab one. Mm. And then you say, you know what, this is the one I want to really work on. So you begin to garnish that one. Got you. And then the other 24, the world just never hears. Got you. You know what I'm saying? So making a lot of music doesn't mean putting out a lot of music. 
Um, I love making a lot of music, but mm-hmm. I definitely don't put out anything until I hear that it has that potential, that thing. Right. And then you begin to work on that one record for months. Exactly. Years sometimes. Oh, can you speak more to your process on just making music and maybe you yeah, would diplo? Yeah, my process is, is random, boy. Yeah. <laughs> we all over the place, you know? But um, we do what I think most producers do, which is make something and then we add, 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 add. And then we go, okay, now we added too much. You take away, take away, take away, take away. Mm-hmm. And you come back almost to where you began. Yeah. And then you put it out. But I would imagine I would, I would imagine what separates you from other producers is you guys are very experimental. I would imagine right. you guys are trying things out that you don't even know if this shit's going to work. Like you're, right. but, you but, never know. But that's the type of shit that makes history. You know what I'm saying? You're not just going yeah. in there making trap beats all day like some of these nah. producers can do, you know? But I definitely love um, experimenting with music. I think that's the best thing in the world, man, is when you hear something fire and inspirational and you say, you know, I'm going to start to make music off of this inspiration and where it goes, who knows? But yeah, it's we my favorite a, experience. We had a conversation in the car. You were putting me onto some new Haitian music that, yeah. that that's popping right now. Dying. Rabble's just popping. I love you it. see, so that's like the new wave. Can can you speak on that? You said you had a DJ play at yeah, your party. Yeah, DJ was- Bullet. Yeah, man. So it's just a beautiful thing, man, to see that the Haitian music and the Haitian um, community are beginning to get some really strong records out mm-hmm. that I think are, the crossover potential is there. Mm-hmm. And that in itself is huge just think of a haitian song playing on power 96 like incredible that'd be huge incredible. As, as much as like you hear a colombian song or puerto rican song playing on power 96 um or i mean we don't need to keep saying that's in that station like yeah yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, 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 I'm bleeping them out you're not getting no free promo yeah, from me, yeah, bro. yeah. on the radio <laughs> yeah you know we do have to remember that there was a time when none of that played on the radio so if you hear a puerto rican song played on the radio now remember just remember there was a time when that did not happen exactly and so i kind of feel like um haiti's up next okay. and so um it's going to be undeniable that you know yeah, the music is just that good. It's super good. It's really good. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be something that you're going to have to really, really, really be in some war mentally with Haiti to not promote it. You're right. going to have to be like, man, I, right. you have to really hate Haitians to not promote it. I mean, it's, it's good. It's a fabric of this city. There's yeah. no way you could ignore Haitians if you live in Miami, if you live in right. South Florida. You know what I'm saying? It's impossible. Are you, and, and what's dope about you guys is that you, you seem to, work with new artists if they're talented it doesn't matter, matter if they're not known i actually prefer working with unknown artists really can you speak yeah. to that a little bit just because you get a lot more out of them mm. they're usually way more hungry they haven't done much they're not jaded by the they're industry not jaded yet. by the industry nine out of ten of them um also quickly become very attitude and ego and they haven't really done much mm-hmm. and you realize like that's that's their that's their early demise right is that they don't understand how to maintain being themselves mm-hmm. with new attention coming to them. Mm. And so they begin to lose contact with a lot of the things that made them so great. And um, and then after the first couple of records, you realize they no longer have um, the ability to make good records because now they've isolated themselves. Right. They've begun to um, burn bridges and you know and and become somebody that people don't even one want of these industry like around. every other industry fucking there was a young lady damn i'm not i don't remember her name but i discovered her on a diplo record he put out a house record and she was from atlanta i believe and she had an amazing voice it was the um fuck i don't remember the record um but yeah man and it's great to hear um you know new artists on big time producers or artists you know what i mean like mm-hmm. g- giving opportunities out which, mm-hmm. which is dope to me you know mm-hmm. 
I mean, shit, could you speak on your party, uh, Washi? Because uh, that's something big in the city that's, you know, gotten popular, rum and bass. You do it um, once a month, right? Once at, a month, man. Once a month at Koyo. At Koyo. And, you know, th that party has been going on for years, and it's definitely made a staple in the city. The venue's at Koyo. It's a smaller venue, but the sound system is incredible, so it gives it, like, a intimate vibe. You hear mm -hmm. you hear the music perfectly. Mm -hmm. um, you, you, you bring in guest DJs, and... You know, can can you speak to maybe one of those legendary nights? Maybe when man, someone too popped many in. Of those man, big up to every artist that's passed through. I've had unbelievable artists come through and perform and and show love, man. And shout out to the, the global set of artists, man. Big up to Lujmila when she came through um, from Brazil. Uh, big up to uh, Naldo from Brazil when he came through. Big up to Flo Rider when he came through. Oh uh, man, I, I'm trying to like. Try, just trying to think now like so many people have come through and just got on the mic and just been like man i'm gonna fuck this place up just wow cause. so if you're yeah, it's the best thing it's the best thing that ever happened to me man so shout out to everybody that goes coil yeah. taco tuesday nights that's like your baby right base. there bro it's a beautiful thing yeah so yeah exactly so if you're out of town and and, and you want to really feel what miami sounds like and, and yeah. really get something that you're probably not used to go to rum and base look yeah. for that flyer at that coil mm -hmm. and and you will definitely be impressed and yeah. educated as well yeah. because for me when i when i did and and when I like to distribute music to people, I like to do two things and keep a balance between these two things. I like to entertain and educate. Yeah. So, you know, I want to give you shit you're familiar with and, and ha let you have fun and sing yeah. along, but I also want to educate you with some new shit. Like, yeah, and, and, for sure. You know. That's what, that's what Tuesday is. We stay playing new music. We play a lot of local music. A lot of the songs that uh, they, you know, everybody grew up on, but a lot of the songs that people um, are just releasing. We usually do a lot of that, a lot of local music, a lot of new local music there, yeah. That's my favorite thing to do, especially it's at my party at, at Brick, is when it. I have tourists there to yeah. play the Miami Juke and to play shit to where they're right. like, we're looking around and shit, but they see, because it's half local side, they see the locals yeah. like vibing, they're like, I've never heard this song in my life. And that's had, what it should be. I had DJ Enough from High 97. I booked him to DJ at, at, at Brick with me. Shout out to Enough. And, shout out to Enough. And, and, I, I went into my juke set and people are going crazy, dancing. I'm playing I'm So High, Ball Greasy, Sean, mm -hmm. Wiggin. I'm playing all these shit. And he's like, bro, I've never heard this in my life. Mm -hmm. And it, that gives me a different type I love of high. That, man. That That's what it should be, man. Every city should have its own identity. And it, the bad thing is, is that what you're talking about is 2008. Exactly. That's the sad part. Exactly. Something happened where after 2008, the this internet music never, the music never grew it stopped right. and so when we play a miami set it's a 2008 set there's not i mean we could probably play you know act like you got on some skates and like one or two new songs but that moment in 2008 miami was on top that and they juke. they had tons of jump music that was coming out but it never why, why does that never break out Walshy? why you know does what that, it is is like people are afraid of tempo i feel like sometimes. no i think you just said it i think that the internet began to blow up, Instagram began to blow up, Snapchat began to blow up, and people just began to copy what they saw was popular and mm -hmm. popping. And so that includes the artists that were making this music. I think a lot of them were just like, oh, no, nah, I need to go rap on a 75 BPM song then, or I need to go and do something else. Um, and so I think that that just, it, it is what happened, and as well as the audience. I think the audience was like, oh, man, you know, this, this is what is, uh, you know, taking over my timeline. Um, so I'd rather hear that than hear what I'm hearing locally. Right. And it all just switched, man. And it's like somebody just shut the door and that was it. And what I, what I, what I think as well is what I would say when it comes to hip hop, when it comes to, cause when it comes to black culture, I feel like we're the only market Miami that's not afraid of tempo. 
That's right. not afraid. You go to New York, LA, you start to play something that's over 110 BPMs. People start to get a little like, wait, yeah. double time it down. I want to hear something slower. Like, right. you know what I mean? So, yeah. There's a lot of that happening in a lot of the cities. The same conversation is happening in tons of cities. You know, like um, bounce music is one of my favorite musics in the world. And whenever I go to New Orleans, it's still strong. It's pro still predominant. Mm. It doesn't blow up. It doesn't blow up unless Drake does. Um, uh, What's the song that, that he record? took? Um, no, the one where he took Magnolia Shorty. Yeah, but, me, but he went to Miami High School, right? Right. Yeah, so, you know, he took um, New Orleans um, Magnolia Shorty, rest in peace, Magnolia Shorty. And, you know, he sampled her, her um, you're the only one I love. Mm -hmm. And sampled the beat as well. And if you're from New Orleans, you're probably in total disbelief that this super local song is now a global, mm -hmm. global smash hit. Um, and that's usually when it happens. I want to say the closest thing to the last, like, big, yo, I got to get it to Drake again is the one with him and Khalid. Um, right. It's um, like a 150 BPM. Yeah, it's, it's super um, fast. And I remember people were fighting because people in Jersey like, this is some Jersey shit. Nah, this right. is some Miami shit. Yeah, like yeah. people were going back it and becoming, forth. It became a Jersey versus Miami thing. Shout out to everybody yeah. from Jersey because they are doing what we don't do. And they are loud and they're defending it. And they're going, yo, Jersey. Mm -hmm. This is Jersey music. Same thing with Baltimore club music. Like those guys are loud. And they're going, yo, y'all are taking Baltimore club music. Mm -hmm. And we in Miami... You know, shout out to Trail Five, shout out to uh, Snappy Jit, shout out to um, Chipman and everyone that makes local Miami music. But we don't have an audience of people that are defending it mm. and are getting online and being like, "Yo, this is Miami Jip, this exactly. is Miami shit." You know, we kind of only maybe get a little loud when somebody from Jersey is like, "Yo, y'all, that's Jersey music." You know, but at the end of the day. Um, we need that. We need the local people. If you're from South Florida, we need you to call up the radio stations. We need you to get angry at the DJs and be like, yo, man, play some Miami shit. But I get mad at the artists as well because, <coughs> because the artists are wanting to be Me Too's. They want to sound like Atlanta music. I tell artists all the time, artists, if you make an up-tempo record, you have an 80% chance more of me playing it right. than you making a regular 70 BPM right. record. Give me some Miami shit. Give me something different. Let's, Experiment. Let's, let's really talk about... <laughs> Let's really talk about it, man. I get music all the time. You probably get music all the mm -hmm. time. When I get these songs, bro, and as soon as I hear that drill start at the beginning, I almost turn it off every time. Yeah. And I go, Miami boy, Miami young boy, if you're trying to do some drill music and sound like a New Yorker and sound mm -hmm. like a Chicago mm -hmm. rapper, you already lost. Yeah. And to me, that's just weak. Right. That's just weak man shit. Right. Like I hear the music, like there's 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 just tons of like there's oh man, there's tons of Miami dudes that'll send me records and it'll sound just like Fabio Foreign. It'll yeah. sound just like Pop Smoke. It'll sound just like Or Lil Baby in Atlanta or or yeah. something on the West Coast. And then like, like it'll send me a video and it'll be them doing like the doing like this in the video wow. yo as soon as i see you doing that in the video i'm yo you a you, yeah you kind of like a fuck nigga to me yeah you know you kind of like a little fuck boy to me because you're a sheep you're a sheep you, you just, just follow saw trends. something and you like that's the trend i'm gonna jump on it you know and then you in the video you you you're over 25 years old you're, <laughs> you're a grown man and you in the video you know because you went to new york for a, a, a couple weeks and your cousin became a crip 
And now you back in Miami trying to be a crip. Yo, that's a culture vulture, right? And it's you like, went man, to, you could, you know, you could, that's a culture vulture. You're within you, the hip hop culture, but you went to another city and stole their culture, bro. Exactly. And you look yeah. stupid in Miami. You look stupid. Yeah. You can't really be in Miami on that and be from Miami. You, right. you want to be from somewhere else. Right. You want to be somewhere else, but you living at your mama house mm. still. Mm. And you in the, in the crib talking about, the guns you got and the bitches you got and your mom is cooking dinner in the room next door and you whack to me and that's just fuckboy shit. And so, you know, when I don't see a lot of these these guys standing on their own and creating something that's totally original and totally or totally um, native to the city. I immediately locked them off, man. I don't exactly. want to hear shit from them again. Exactly. And so, you know, I've been working like some of the, we should talk about that. Some of the local people I've been working with, man. Um, and it's the producers as well. The artists, it's y'all, but the producers, y'all are afraid to take chances as well. You yep. guys need to start, stop trying to sound like all these other producers as well. Yep. It's not just the artists. Trust me, man. And I'll tell you no lie, my inbox be full mm -hmm. of this bullshit, man. And it'll be somebody and they'll be like, yo, I'm from Kendall. And you're like, damn, bro. <laughs> Why are you doing this? Yeah. Like, yo, does your mama know you do this, man? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know she probably hears it because she's in the room next door. <laughs> and does your mama be like, yo, what are you talking about? What ops do you have? Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, yo, I pull up on the block. I spin the, I spin the block. Yeah, bro. And I, and I pop the ops. And your mom opens the door and is like, excuse me? Bro, you live next to Chipotle, bro. Yo. Like, you have no ops. You, you got live no next ops, to Poyo Cow, bro. Yo, you got no ops. You can, you can wear your flag everywhere because no one cares. That's the crazy part, right? It's yeah. like it's like a it's like a gang starter kit. Sometimes, yeah. you know, you're like, okay, my man, you clearly went on Amazon and got every crypt thing you could think find, <laughs> and now you've you're in your music video in Kendall, and you're wearing it all, and no one cares. There's no op. There's nobody that runs down on you, and it's like you're safe, bro. What set do you claim? <laughs> you are as safe as documents in a briefcase my man you're good <laughs> so you're super corny right now yeah and i know this message is going to hit home to a lot of people and i know a lot of guys are going to be looking at their crypt starter kit <laughs> and they're going to be looking at themselves their they're designer be like, belt they got the designer belt they, they just saved up for with their stimmy they're going to be looking at their life and they're going to be like damn i'm 27 and this is what i do he's talking about me yeah. and if you got a problem with it like i said before i'm here you guys know where i'm at every tuesday it's not nothing but i do think that you're going to end up hearing what i'm saying and more than get mad at me for saying it change up what you're doing mm -hmm. i want to see you win young boy be original come on jit i want to see you win and be clear a lot of the shit you experiment with is not going to work and that's okay but guess yeah. what the one or two that do work yeah. you're going to be set for life set for life you'll be a trendsetter You'll be somebody that can start a whole new wave. And people will follow you. And people will follow you. But as soon as you start doing this drill dance, you start to do all this stuff, and you realize, like, man, it's been done a million times already, and you're coming out with the new song and thinking that somehow, somewhere, somebody's going to be like, oh, nah, you do it awesome. You lost already. Yeah. You've already lost. You made it way more difficult to win. And I want to see you win, little boy. Yeah. I want to see you little And that pisses me off about win. this city since we're talking our shit right now. Like, you don't see New Yorkers trying to do joke and try to sound like they're New Yorkers. Yeah. So stop Miami. But stop they all kind of like jacking like, um, you know, Chicago. You're right. You're right. You're and right. And they all kind of jacking UK a little exactly. bit. Exactly. But they have their own conversation to beat. And they can talk about it. I'm talking about Miami. Gotcha. You know, I want to see the Miami boys win. And um, the only way to win is to be creative and be original. You copy, you start jacking other people's styles, you're not going to win. 
that's that. Well, should you think Miami base can can make like a 2021 comeback? I've I'm always said it. said like yes. if we bring Miami base with like some electro elements, but we need these artists to channel their not be like Uncle Luke, but channel that type of vocal to to, to give us yeah. that type of hype. I'm working on it right now, man. Okay, good. You know it. Good. It's coming. Good. We need that. Yo, trust me, yo, Miami. That shit's in my soul, man. Give us a 2021 and I wish, jam, Walshie. And I yes. And I wish I could put one of these young rapper boys on it, you know, and be mm-hmm. like, man, rap on it. But I realize they are, they hate Miami. They don't know how to rap on a 140, bro. They couldn't even know where also, to begin. No. Also, they hate Miami, bro. They want to be from somewhere else so bad. Mm-hmm. Like I said before, I see them. I see them, you know, and they send me their video or they send me the song or somebody send me a link to a song or accidentally the algorithm come up and I see they bullshit ass music. And I go, why these go, why these dudes just go don't go move and go live on their cousin couch in Brooklyn? Yeah, you know why don't you just go somewhere else? You don't want to be here. Mm-hmm. Your 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 look, your sound, everything is jacking. You jacking from a whole other city. You don't have a Miami accent. You don't have a Miami dress code. You don't have a Miami look. Mm-hmm. You doing your best to not be Miami. Just go live somewhere else, man. And hopefully mm-hmm. they'll fuck with you, even though I doubt it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So when somebody makes a song and it's got a 120 BPM, 130 BPM, 140 BPM, and sorry again for everybody out there that doesn't understand. Fast that, music, AKA. But faster music. It's just a shame that they can't rap on it. Yeah. Trick Daddy has made some of my favorite hip hop songs in the world. Put Trick in the booth on a 140 BPM. He'll fuck that shit up. Put him on a 160 scarred. Like, Yo, what are we talking fuck about? that shit yeah. up. That to me is exactly the essence of Miami. Somebody that's going to make it and make it original and make it feel good for the home team and then the world gonna love it and that's the problem i can make a beat for anybody right now but only a handful of them i can actually put on it because only a handful of them love the city so much that they'll be like let's do it listen artists out there if you make a record that's over 130 beats per minute I'll I'll invite you to the club. I'll give you a bottle. Yes. I'll play the record. I don't you. know what Walshy. I, I'll hook, a, hook you. you up with Walshy. You know We're what I mean? You. Like just give us something. That's all you have to do. Make rap over something over one thirty. Yeah. That's all the only requirement. Right. And you ain't got to be a career. Just give us one of those, man. Yeah. Give us something that's a little bit sped up, a little bit fast. That's going to be so out the box from whatever the world is doing because the world is not doing that. The world is doing that super slow stuff and sleepy. You know the same so the same yeah the same same sleepy cadence. You know, the same half singing. It's the drugs, too. We need rappers to get back on cocaine, Walsh. She, all y'all need to, you, you guys need to stop sipping lean, stop taking these pills. Get back on it, boom. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, need, we need the uppers to make a comeback, please. Hey, that's a joke, guys. Yeah. We definitely want to see the music come back, though. And so if this conversation sparks it in you, man, hit me up on the DM. I ain't even playing. Yeah. Shout out to everybody that makes music however they want to make it, though. I'm not trying to, um, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, kill your creativity if what you're thinking is dope keep doing it i don't give a fuck yeah shit uh let's damn let's talk about some other shit while she are there any of them other outside of music any other investments any of the things you're getting into we talked briefly about stocks on the way over yeah, here um, stocks we talked about the climate of like movie theaters and shit yeah, like what we talked about that betting on amc let me tell you something man that was a good conversation what i wanted to say to everybody what we were talking about was amc movie theaters are beginning to open up again soon he's got stock in amc so i hope he wins big um, but the conversation spurred because my little group chat, mm-hmm. um, they were a little bit scared and they were saying, damn, you know, this is going to blow COVID back up if movie theaters come back. And to me, that's, that's ignorant. And the reason why I say that is because a movie theater is very similar to like a church. 
I'm listening. I'm not with you. The seating. Oh, okay. The arena. Okay. Stage. Got you. You go to okay. most churches, okay. it's pretty much the same thing. Those Nobody are is scared of a church. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a fact. So it's weird. It's weird to me that somebody would be like, oh, man, a movie theater, that means the cases is going to go up. But they don't think that way about a church. And I've come to the conclusion. The reason why that is, is because people only scrutinize and are upset about places that they weren't going to go anyways. These guys were not going to go to the movie theater. Right. So it's easy for them to scrutinize uh, something that theater. doesn't affect their life. It doesn't affect them. They can stand on the outside of it and go and wag their finger and go, you guys are so dumb. You didn't think. And now, now you're going to cause lots of death. Right. But they go to church. Right. And they sit in the same kind of arena, the same exact thing where everyone is group of people right next to each other with their masks on, enjoying the service. But for some reason in their mind, that's not bad. They don't they don't judge that. They don't criminalize that because they're doing it. Right. And that's my ultimate like high human highlight that I've gotten out of COVID is that people get upset about things they weren't going to do. They they pick and choose what they want to get upset right. about, even though it's the same shit. Like right. So if somebody's mad at a sports game happening with a crowd, they're mad because they weren't going to go to that sports game anyways. Right. The people that are going to that sports game are not mad at it, and they don't care what the person that is mad says. And so you know, same thing. The person that goes to the sports game might not go to a concert. A grocery store. They might be like, no, nah, I'm ordering my groceries. Mm. And they might be like, y'all are crazy for going into that grocery store. It's crazy in there. Everybody touching everything and you bringing it home. And I'm never doing that. And it's because they're not doing it that they scrutinize. If they were, they wouldn't care. And that's just the way it plays out. People are just mad at the people doing things that they weren't going to do. And what's anyways. even worse is the people, these these old white people in government and politics making these rules, they're not doing none of this shit. They're so they don't, they don't care about shutting it yeah. all down because that's, yeah, that's, that's why, not part of anything. That's why it affects like you and I life, mm-hmm. right? They don't, they don't care about shutting down a bar or shutting down a club because they weren't going there no ways. So when the agenda comes up and they go, yo, we, the people, are, uh, they need something to... To make, to make them kind of calm down a little bit, they go, well, shut down the clubs and the bars. Right. Now, mind you, the clubs and the bars are probably no different than anything else happening in the day. Any gathering, any market, any restaurant. sports, yeah, any restaurant in the day, no different. It's just at night. And the people who don't go out at night are the ones that they're going to appease. Exactly. And those are the people that are going to go, okay, my, my city's doing something. Yes, well, the cases are going to go down now because the nightlight got shut off. But then you go on the beach, the beach is packed with people in the sand, no masks, just lined up next to each other. If you go to like the ones where they have the seats, the seats are all right next to each other. The lounge mm-hmm. chairs, mm-hmm. you know, the, the beach chairs, they're all right next to each other. There's no separation and there's absolutely no mask on the beach because nobody wants a mask. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, the fact that nobody is looking at the things and saying, OK, yo, everything across the board that we see potential and we're going to shut down makes me then say they only shut down the things that they weren't doing anyways. It doesn't affect exactly. them at all. They're going to bed at nine o'clock. They don't care what happens at 10 o'clock. And so therefore they can shut that down. 
but they can't shut down the things that do affect them and affect the people around them, even though those things could be worse. Right. That's why. That's why. Like this dude, you know, like this dude Fauci. Like you know, he's a he's an old guy, but he's a scientist. So I I I I understand the line of work you're in. But what is your lifestyle like? Yeah. You go back and forth to your office every day. You don't. You're probably not amongst events and amongst large groups of people anyway. So right. for you to criticize that is crazy to me. You know what right. I mean? It took me a minute to really grasp that as well. I didn't get that right away. At first, it's like I'm listening to everything this guy says but as time went on i was like you know what wait what are you what is your life like what are you uh, yeah it's a total like you know i look at these websites the instagrams the miami ones mm -hmm. and you realize like they'll show like kids twerking on a car right mm -hmm. and the comments will be vicious the mm -hmm. comments will be vicious man the comments will be like oh i wish she fell out the car and died mm-hmm I wish, I wish, I wish she died. Mm -hmm. And you start to realize like, yo, it's crazy to think that this person that's commenting is coming from a place where they themselves are acting like they've never been 18 years old. Yeah. They've never done anything crazy. They never did something that was just fun and in the moment. Never. No, no, no. Of course not. And now they wish death on somebody else that's doing it. People don't have empathy, bro. It's the worst part of this, this, this shit, man. When you watch it, you go to these websites and they're like, you know, and the caption is usually saying something that's very egging, very, very much egging people on mm -hmm. to be very mean. Like, you know, the caption will be something like, "Welp," you know what I'm saying? Something simple like that, that just like, here's another idiot. Right. And then you're like, man, this is not new, bro. If you're from South Florida, this has been happening since the 80s. Spring break has been happening since the 80s, guys. There's nothing you new just here. didn't have social media back then. You just so you didn't have social media it. then. And also, no, I'm gonna say this you didn't have social media then, so we didn't see you doing it. Exactly. Because you used to do it. And you were on harder drugs, bro. You, you was on harder drugs, shit. You were, and you was doing way more, and there was no cameras. There was maybe somebody had a camcorder and a VHS. You got away with it. You got away, you got with, away it. with it. So now you can stand online and talk about somebody else doing it. The only reason why you mad is because you're not them. They're doing them. You had your moment where you did you. And now we can go past that moment without, without, without pulling up a videotape. And being like, yeah, my man, you kind of loud screaming on these kids when this is you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's the worst part about this internet shit, man, is that right. no one can be held accountable for what they say. That's right. why I take myself away, man. I don't even fuck with it. You know, I do, I promote my music. Um, I promote positive messages. I, I do, you know, engaging on, on that level. Everything else, I'm out. Yeah. I don't follow it. I don't fuck with it. Yeah. How do you feel about this, the current climate of South Beach? Because, you know, you grew up in Miami and, yeah. and you've seen South Beach go through all its different phases and evolution. This is a good question, man, because it's a really hot topic. I hope we get a good soundbite out of this one, yeah. man. <laughs> First of all, I want to say these same pages, a lot of the people in the comments, their memory is really bad. Mm -hmm. If you from Miami, this is the rhetoric that I get from most of these sites right now. These sites are saying things like make Miami Beach great again, make South Beach great again. They're very, they're very mm -hmm. like, man, conservative. They're very like, how do we get South Beach to be great again? You remember when South Beach was awesome? And I challenge them. And I say, when? Tell me when. Remind me when. Give me the year when. Tell me the exact year. Well, before the 80s, it was just old people sitting on a beach. That's all it right. was. So you don't have a lot of, right. you have so, the 80s and 90s. So, and so, so yeah, so let's say, Everything before the 80s, mafia run. 
Mm-hmm. Is that is that great? That's when it's great. When illegal crime organizations run Miami, mm-hmm. that's when it was great. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, let's talk about the eighties. The eighties was very mafia, very cocaine, mm-hmm. very wild. Everything was drug money. Every, it was drugs everything. money everywhere. And for anybody out there that does not remember, again, I say to you, Miami. And South Beach of now is not what it was in the 80s and 90s. In the 80s, South Beach was hood. Mm-hmm. Everything from fifth to first was ghetto. That was mm-hmm. the projects. Just because you see it now and it's niceness doesn't mean you can't look up online what it was before they knocked it down. Right. It was the projects. I have to tell people in these chats all the time. I say, yo, do y'all not, were y'all not alive when South Beach Posse was running South Beach? Why low? Wilo was a big gang. Mm-hmm. Evil Nation. Evil Nation was a big gang. These were gangs that ran South Beach through the 80s and the early 90s. So for anybody to say, man, South Beach, how do we make it great again? Mm-hmm. I say, when? Mm-hmm. Because I remember when prostitution was rampant. Mm-hmm. Right now, prostitution, is you barely see it. Right. You barely see it. You have to really be looking for it now to see a corner with three girls on it. Yeah. Prostitution back then... Chaos. Mm-hmm. Every corner, every street, every girl, every car was getting pulled over. Mm-hmm. Everybody was was down there doing prostitution. That's the eighties and the nineties, early nineties. Crack cocaine, um, powder cocaine, all of that in the eighties and nineties. Every single bus stop in Miami had four or five people mm-hmm. selling these drugs mm-hmm. you could not go nowhere on south beach and not have somebody run up on your car mm-hmm. with some slimmies mm-hmm. and be like yo my man you're trying to put some of this powder in your tobacco you're trying to put some powder in your weed you're trying to get high you're trying to get fucked up what you want that's the 80s and 90s when was it great yeah so then i look back at the 90s to the early 2000s twerking that's when the clubs kind of started popping. Like the night, Miami started, South Beach started to get started a nightlife. To get the nightlife, yeah. which came with. Which was 18 and up, by the way. Which came, which was 18 and up until they banned 18, 19, and 20 year olds and made it 21 and up. I was there for that. While it was 18 to 21, it was madness. You want to talk about fights? Mm-hmm. Come on, man. Get the fuck out of here. Like yeah. fights just started happening. Yeah. You want to talk about arrests? Yeah, you can look it up. You can yeah. look up the numbers of arrests that happened at those times right. and see we're not far off now. Right. You want to talk about rape? Come mm. on, man. This shit was crazy back then. Mm. All those dark alleys, all those girls drunk, high. And, yo, no, and no social media to capture and nobody none of this to catch shit. it. Nobody to put a flashlight. Nobody had a, a light on their phone to be like, yo, what the fuck is that? No, you saw somebody fucking in the alley and you kept walking. Damn. You never, you never said, "Yo, does that is that girl even alive?" So that, that dude, you didn't do that. You walked away. You went, "Man, I don't know what's going on over there. I'm gonna get the fuck away." So Walshy, the mayor had a big press conference, and he's talking about you know trying to make you know the curfew on South Beach even after this COVID shit. He wants right. everything to close at two a.m. on South Beach. He right. wants to get rid of the nightlife. He wants to make it a, a Art Deco type vibe. I mean, if 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 you're the mayor, Walshy, what is your what do you think? So do you do you think there is a problem? Do you think a change needs to be made? Like how yeah. how do you see South Beach for the future? Like, I do consider myself the mayor i consider myself the prime minister <laughs> talk your shit you're um, the prime minister of south beach nice. yeah i've been doing this for a long time and i do believe i've earned some status um i actually am not mad at a curfew you know and the reason right. why is because i realize that a lot of things happen when that last drink is had mm-hmm. there's something about that two to three o'clock mm. it gets real sloppy got you 
And I'm not saying that as a person that didn't enjoy getting home at 6 a.m. I enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. I used to love that. Um, if that's what it is, we get back to it. I'll enjoy it again. I have no problem with staying out and partying until 4 or 5 in the morning. No mm -hmm. problem. But I do know after DJing, easily 100,000 parties. There's something like Granny used to say almost, you know, nothing good happens after so. midnight. Yeah. You realize Updated like, to 2 yo, you realize like, man, she wasn't wrong. You know, mm -hmm. that last drink. Tell you what, man, ask yourself, how many friends have you have you lost in drink dr drunk driving? A couple. I've lost a few. Yeah. How many people do you know have gotten into a fight, gotten into some kind of physical altercation and gotten hurt? I know quite a few. Mm -hmm. I know quite a few. And I'm going to tell you, man, when the curfew is earlier, it's a lot harder to get into that kind of a situation. Exactly. I agree with you. You there, have that last drink, that one drink too many. There used to be a curfew washing on South Beach? There used to be, man. Uh, was it 2 a.m.? Well, I don't remember what it was because it was a long time ago. But when mm -hmm. the gangs were crazy on the beach, they did an age limit and a curfew. Gotcha. The first thing they did was the... The age limit if you were under 21 you got arrested mm -hmm. for being on the beach and i remember that because i was under 21 at the time mm -hmm. but i used to sell my tapes and so they wouldn't fuck with me because i wasn't going to the club i wasn't doing nothing mm -hmm. i was selling tapes so i'd walk around with a boom box and a box of tapes and i was just like hustling so they mm -hmm. didn't really fuck with me mm -hmm. but i remember that i remember like yesterday um and then yeah they did have a curfew a time curfew i don't remember what it was because i wasn't going into the clubs i was just selling tapes got you um, but yeah, all of that did happen, man. But I have no problem with curfews. I have no problem with it, man. I think that if we can get people to, uh, young people to enjoy a healthier lifestyle, which means daytime fun, mm -hmm. I'm totally for it, man. Yo, I'm not going to lie. Well, shit, this is the curfew right now is at midnight and I'm kind of getting used to like being able to go to sleep at 2 a.m. Maybe because we're getting older, My you man, know what I mean? But I'm on. like, wait a second. Talk about it. <laughs> it's actually pretty cool. And, and bro, it, it, uh, and now you get your days. We've got it to where between 10 and 12 kind of feels like between one and three right now. And the like, crowd don't get mad. And a and little bit of DJ talk. Sorry if I'm alienating everybody out there. When that light comes on at 12 and the crowd goes, oh, man, they want to come to the party more next time. Mm. They're more. Wake up early, get fucked up during the day and come to your brunch. They're more inclined. Yo, my parties, my Tuesday party has been the numbers keep going up and up and up and up. Because when it hits 11.59 and that light comes on, you see everybody go, oh, man, this shit was too good. Yo, I got to come back next Tuesday then. Yeah, you left them with a tease. You left them with a tease. Mm. Instead of leaving them trickling out on their own. Because when they trickle out on their own, there's that. They're stumbling. There's that time when nobody even gives a fuck about the music or the DJ no more. And I know, I know that this might be something that DJs don't want to talk about because the mayor's listening. Right. And as DJs, we want to we wanna keep the nightlife going. But let's just talk some real shit, man. That 3 to 4 a.m. is a sloppy, sloppy time, man. And people are so drunk. And, and, so, and they're falling over each other. And, you know, when I've seen like a girl step on glass because she took her shoes off, it's during those hours. Mm -hmm. When I've seen people vomit all over the fucking floor of the dance mm -hmm. floor and that hours when i see the girl spill a drink on the turntable it's that hours that's when you go from drunk to sloppy that yeah, hour it's that bad moment and if we get rid of that hour we could move it to the next day during the day because i do love this let's new get wave. this fucking day parties going man i love it everybody come out enjoy the sunlight enjoy the sunset mm. and then yo get yourself a couple hours of the nighttime 
and you go home. Yo, look you at go the, home people are gonna hate us for this talk. DJ, hey, any DJ yeah. that hate what I'm saying, hey, at Walsy Fire, mm -hmm. and not with a disrespectful thing, I, dialogue. Let's have right. a conversation about it. Right. I'm cool with whatever is decided. If we go mm -hmm. to 6 a.m., I'm cool with it. Mm -hmm. If we decide to stop at 2 a.m., I'm cool with it. But I'm actually not going to act like I have not been there 3 a.m. and 4 a.m. and not sat there and said to myself, this is the sloppiest, shitty set of people. You yeah. put all of the worst, sloppiest things in one room, and now they're just falling all over each other. Exactly. And I would rather see each one of those bodies get home safely and get home with a, with a brain that's conscious of what's happening. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, that only happens when you step in as an, as an adult to mm -hmm. adults. Yeah. And say, you cannot have another drink mm -hmm. because this next drink is going to be the one that makes you drive home drunk and get into that accident. And I want to see those accidents stop. I want to see the rape stop. I want to see the stepping on the glass stop. I want to see that. the overdose stop. I want to see the fight stop. I want to see the shooting stop. I want to see all of that stop. I want to see it stop just like y'all do. Yeah. And so I have no problem trying out things and seeing what the results are. And let's see what happens for a year. If the numbers drop, we won. The numbers don't drop okay then we we got a bigger problem and we got to figure out what that bigger problem is because the time isn't isn't stopping it but i've talked to multiple clubs though and there's they're already rep that that one to three like power hour that they make most of their bread they've already got it from 10 to 12. They've they just already, moved it earlier moved so and the, the people come out earlier it's a fact people still want to go out and now at 12 o'clock when they go home they go to bed Right. And they're actually like, damn, I can right. wake up and go on the beach in the morning. 12 might be a little too early, which is why I always love the Wynwood closing at three because right. it's not five. It's not South Beach. Man, so talk South about Beach it. Moves Straight up. Everybody that out there, if you don't understand, if you're not from South Florida, South Beach goes to whenever. To five. Right? And Wynwood and closes Wynwood at three. Closing at three. A lot of the clubs in Wynwood close at two. So let's say two. Right. That made Wynwood's energy completely different. Exactly. Than South Beach. South Beach was super fights dangerous shooting and i believe that that is why i believe that those extra two mm -hmm. hours put that courage juice in them dudes and they just get rambunctious winwood yo i never would see a fight at winwood i never no, see a shootout no. Winwood. maybe one or two but that was always make some kind of beef that happened like because it's winwood at the end of the day yeah like it, let's be clear that's the it's hood, the it's hood. Just gen yeah yes yeah, so it would be some kind of beef that was already happening versus the random i'm killing a complete stranger yeah yo that's not really Winwood. Yeah. That's South Beach. Killing strangers is not something that Winwood people do. You, you see, know? Walshie, I don't know if I want to see out of towners coming to Winwood like that. Uh, like I'd rather have that's them. That's pretty. That's pretty true. Too, I'd rather I have them it. stay on South Beach. You I know what I mean? Because bro, yeah, dudes is I coming. Ain't. They're coming strapped. Like they're yeah, coming from yeah, fucking yeah, Boca Luca, Georgia, yeah. and these places. <laughs> like they've been inside all day. It's been cold. Like yeah. they're coming over here, and it it feels different. It does feel yeah. different. Like I, I, I welcome them into Winwood, but I do say. I feel like once they get into Winwood, they'll feel the energy is different and just adjust and be like, oh, I don't have to. I'm not, I'm not acting stupid here. Yeah. No one's acting stupid here. Yeah. They're playing Aaliyah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you yeah, know, you can't shoot Winwood out to Aaliyah, Aaliyah, bro. Yeah, that's Winwood, crazy. Winwood is a place where you get the diversity in the music. It's a fact. Right. You know, Winwood is a place where you can go to a party that just plays old school hip hop. Right. South Beach, you don't get that. Love and hate probably like the last party that did that on South Beach, you know? And even, bro, Walsh, and like for Brick for five years, my crowd is 95% black and it's mm. mostly out of town, but I'm still going to throw in a little bit of space. It's going to sound like Miami. Yeah. I'm not going to go and play like how you're used to hearing in Chicago or LA for that stay in your city. Right. Like over here is a cultural melting pot. So I, I do like it that I get to 
force a little bit of Spanish, force to just hear some things. I'm gonna go right back to the pop smoke. I'm gonna go right back to the little baby, but just feel this because this is what we do in Miami. Just feel it for a little bit. And that's why I actually welcomed them into Wynwood because in on the beach, a lot of the times they they'll hire DJs from out of town as well, you know. And so you end up seeing the DJs really being like, "Yo, I'm from Brooklyn." And catering to that exactly. versus Wynwood, where you'll get the Miami, more Miami DJs. And so I invite the out-of-towners into Wynwood where they can get a much more Miami experience. I'd love them to walk away and go, man, Miami's a shit. But just be careful because the security guards at the Wynwood clubs, they're Wolf. not like the security yes. guards on South Beach. You can get away with that shit on South Beach. Yeah. Wynwood, <laughs> yes. these dudes are coming straight out of jail and they're being yeah. security guards. And so they, they will, will, they're like they the linebackers from UM. They will, yeah. they will fuck <laughs> you way up when you come in with that bullshit. Yeah. You know, so come with that love, come with a, you know, an open mind to hear some music that, you know, don't come to the DJ booth and be like, man, I'm from here and I want to hear this. You're in Miami. Just enjoy it. Take a cultural vacation too. Yeah. you know, enjoy the weather, enjoy the women, enjoy all that. But enjoy the music, bro, because mm. this is what we do over here. Mm. Um, Walshy, bro, we're almost at yeah, two hours. Kill it, man. You know? is love, anything man. you want to hit up that we um, haven't talked about yet? Um Da, 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 da. Nah, yeah, just, just any uh, real quick. Any other outside ventures outside of music that you want to speak yeah, on? Yeah, I'm like, always doing things, man. But you know, the best thing is to show more than speak. Okay. I got big announcements coming forward very okay. soon. So just follow me on Instagram, everybody at Walshy Fire. Very, very big um, uh, announcements coming soon. Life changing announcements coming soon. Stuff that's going to make me um, a person that people will perceive as a community leader. Mm. Um, outside of my knowledge of that and my personal circles knowledge of that it'll be a much broader set of people that are going to go man Walsh is, Walsh is that dude mm-hmm. and that's very soon announcing very soon and shout out to all the music projects that are coming up too many to mention coming very soon just follow me on instagram you see everything and i appreciate you being humble you know coming to my crib in in the in, in the hood like in yeah. my little one one apartment so i appreciate that walsh you fire legend in in the city casey chops miami on the rocks there oh by the way just plug your social media real quick for everybody at w-a-l-s-h-y-f-i-r-e bomb walsh you fire big up 